five. Now this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin! Edwin and Eric! They don't give a fuck! They just want you to rock! Yeah! Bam 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 Dilly D! Bam bam bam! Alright, and welcome everyone to the Rock All Over You Podcast. It's me, Eric Jordan, RMCP, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Edwin Castracci, and I'll let him introduce our very special guest, because you know him very well. Yes, I do. I'm very excited to finally have my good friend, and this is like a friend in real life, like actual, like in the physical <laughs> universe. Not a not, friend. Not, <laughs> yeah, not a friend of friend. Uh, <laughs> He's not inflatable. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a real bona fide friend. We we have hanged out and drinking many times in Los Angeles, and that is the one and only Michael Hampton. Hey, hey, gentlemen. Woo. <laughs> What's yeah. going on? What's going on? Happy to be here. Yeah, we've been trying to get you on here for a long time, but you're a busy man. You're oh, a, so busy. So you're busy. A Renaissance man. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. But uh, let me give you a little backstory. Some of you might know Hampton as Michael Hampton at, as part of the RMCP Army. He's yes. part of the RMCP Army. I remember years ago. Yeah. You were like, yeah, I'm a foot soldier. Yeah. Yeah, you were, you were the first person I knew in real life that I got into that army. I said, listen to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. You'll love it. You did, and you went all in. Not only Dude, that, you got like like even more into heavy metal than you had been for a while, if I recall, right? Oh, yeah, that's absolutely a story. Yeah, you're the man that, uh, you know, like you just said, showed me the podcast, and uh, it came at the right time in my life. I was at a time where I was not, I was a little lost soul when it came to music. You know, I didn't even know what I was listening to anymore. I, I burnt through all the grunge and all the music that I found enjoyable in the, in the 2000s, and, uh, you know, through our meetings, you said, hey, check this out, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and I did, and I, I, I went whole hog, and I got way back in the metal and I, I have to admit that I did go from the wayside for a bit away from the tried and true um, DNA you know yeah. I, I was lost I was floating I was floating in the ocean I, of, of shitty music yeah I saw that I knew where you were because I knew where you used to be because the me and the Hampton we were introduced by a mutual friend Matt Manahan let's give him a little shout out not that he's shout listening to Manahan he doesn't listen to music podcasts. He would never listen to this. No, no, no. Unless, unless we had Alex Jones on as a guest. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got a four-hour... Let's trick him into it. <laughs> but, yeah, we're talking about Pizzagate and pyramids and aliens and <laughs> and pedophiles. We might listen yeah. That's all at the end of the episode. Just stay tuned. Stay tuned. You just got to listen to an ACDC review to get there. <laughs> yeah, no fast-forwarding. But anyway, so Matthew Manahan, who's a shared friend, he introduced us, and one of the things he told me, he said, oh, you'll like Hampton. He, he likes you. He likes heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> I was a connector. Like, hey, I yeah. know a guy who likes apples. You like apples, too. You should He's like, That's such a Hollywood thing. You know, yeah. and Hampton are laughing about it, because that's like a thing. If people are all, because everyone's there from somewhat someplace else, and everyone has like a hustle, especially if you're trying to work in the entertainment industry. So if you got kind of any angle or connection with someone, it's like they, they pounce on it. It's like, oh, 
you're from this state. Oh, you know this person. Oh, you, you like must this know music? this person. Oh, you both like this kind of music. Oh, yeah. You, you both like double quarter pounders. You yeah. know? <laughs> Look at those shoes, Doc Martens. I know a guy also who wears Doc yeah. Martens still in 2022. Yeah. I'm gonna make you guys meet. So, and Matt was one of those guys. He liked to connect people. Yeah, so, yeah. but then I went. Was it? Where were you staying at the time? It was some apartment, or no? That sounds right. Some apartment. <laughs> so I, I, that sounds right. I've had like thirty some apartments. Yeah, so it was, it was Hollywood. It was some apartment. I remember. I checked it out, and you know, because the thing about Los Angeles, you, this might surprise you, Eric, but there's a lot of um, uh, how should I put this phonies. <laughs> oh, I, some I, posers. Yeah, yeah. I, know, yeah, I know the city doesn't have that reputation, but yeah, there's some phony people in LA and in the entertainment <laughs> industry. But anyway, so you hear someone likes heavy metal, you just, your first thing you think is, okay, they're probably a poser, right? <laughs> and, and so even though Hampton had wasn't as into it as he used to be, he is playing it down a little bit because when I went into his apartment, he had, he still had the wall, he had an old school 80s like wall cassettes. Yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah, and, and I was looking through it, and it was all legit shit with Megadeth, and you know, I was just going Judas Priest, and you know, he had a lot of legit '80s into early '90s rock and metal albums. Yeah, so, yeah. And I, let's, and not, it, let's not gloss over Run DMC, Raising Hell, also in that too. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's oh, a, cool, that's a great album. Also, legit, hey, we love yeah. that shit. We love yeah. the crossover hip hop stuff. But anyway, so so you know, I was looking over. Plus, you had like a drum set and a guitar, and you were like, "Yeah, yeah, I was used to be into all this stuff." But you know, the acting and stuff, and you kind of lost your way a little bit. But I could tell, I could tell where you've been. I could tell that you were someone that would have been sitting at my high school table talking about like you know a new album and stuff. And you know, I could tell where you were, and it was just we, I just had to get you back on that road again. <laughs> yeah, I still I still had the love. It was like that Jordan Peele movie where like. You know, the guys are like hiding behind the other guys. They're living inside someone's shell life. What was yeah. the name of that movie? Yeah, that, that was me. I was a metal guy living inside an actor's body. <laughs> Help me. Help me. So I did that. And and before I know it, you're growing your hair out again, and you're like the lead singer of a Black Sabbath tribute band, Under the yes. Sun, which is great. They, they Really one of the best Black Sabbath tribute bands in L.A. It's not the only one, I don't know. <laughs> but you're really a... What I like about your band is like you're not... like You don't do the dress-up. You don't dress up like Ozzy and stuff like that. But it's just about the music. And you do a great job. I mean, you do have some of the mannerisms down. And you do that kind of the leaping around the stage. And you're just, you know, really great singer. And it's kind of branched out to some other gigs and stuff. If you want to get into that, let people know what you're doing in L.A. as a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, back on that track, yeah, I am a singer um, in a Black Sabbath tribute, uh, Under the Sun. We uh, we have a lot of fun. And, yeah, like you said, I don't really do the, uh, you know, Ozzy on my T-shirt kind of thing. I don't really have a problem with people who do that at all. Um, that's just not for me. I'm more into the enjoyment of the music and, like, bringing the entertainment to the people as opposed to making a caricature, caricature of the man. Um, I, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with my melding of music and acting, and I can kind of give people the show that, that I would want to see, you know, and a lot of people want to see kind of that younger, energetic front man of Black Sabbath. And uh, that's what I like to do, and I have a good time doing it, and I'm glad there's positive feedback through that. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you did you did turn me back on to, to getting into this life, and honestly, I'd only I only owned Paranoid. I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but when I first started listening to the uh, podcast, I just I just got so back into seventies. Uh, hard rock and metal that it, it, it really felt like a resurgence in my life. And now I'm kind of living this second life uh, that I always thought I had in me, you know. And yeah. um, and it's fantastic. I'm kind of I'm kind of out there playing the character of rock star right now. I mean, I'm I'm building a life uh, of meeting musicians, and I have a lot of music that I've written myself, and so that's going to come out down the road. I have no doubt. Um, but yeah, I've been playing um, at the Whiskey, the Viper. I mean, all the spots that are you know haven't been torn down yet on the Sunset Strip. And uh, I've really met a lot of fantastic musicians. Um, you know, I'm not trying to name drop or anything, but people who've really been around in the scene. And um, you know, I know the guys who are in the new kind of um, Mach Two Megadeth. You know, with Dave Ellison, like the drummer's a good friend of mine. And um, it's it's really cool to to just be in the scene that I wasn't even sure existed honestly uh, in Los Angeles. Um, I'm I'm happy and, and blessed. I have to, I have to use the B word. I'm blessed. It's um, all right. It's, 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 that's very Black Sabbath. They're very you know they're, all their half their lyrics are like Christian rock. <laughs> the, yeah. But you know you you do those. Uh, at least uh, I, when I was uh, back when last time I was living in LA a few months back, you were doing those like weekly jam nights at the Whiskey A Go Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Those uh, taking a hiatus, but it was like once or once or twice a month, something called Ultimate Jam Night, and it's really where all the musicians um, come together and do like a pre-chosen song, and but with no rehearsal, and you get on stage and just rock the whiskey and. Uh, I've been chosen to sing a couple Black Sabbath songs, a few Aussie songs. Um, again, I don't really, I'm not trying to be Aussie, but they they know what I can do, so I get picked to do Believer and um, some other stuff. And it's yeah, just, I saw you do Bark at the Moon. It was great. Yeah, Bark at the Moon. I've done that a couple times. Um, yeah, you know, it's just another chance to get up on stage and, and party and, and rock it, and I feel completely comfortable doing that. Wait, so what? Is, aren't you playing drums in some gigs too? Yeah, yeah. You've been seeing me do some um, another. This this another jam. I'm kind of I'm kind of a jam whore at the moment. I have no shame <laughs> in saying that. So I'm just getting around and playing some Tool, playing some Soundgarden. Um, yeah, playing some Metallica, playing this and that again at, an, at another um, pre-chosen but unrehearsed kind of jam. And uh, yeah, I'm um, just really really plugged into meeting people and, and improving myself and seeing what I can do and really it's just kind of like you said I was an actor for quite some time and I really put the music stuff way down as more of a hobby where I was pursuing the film and TV which had some success for a while and then then it just brewed to the top again and now I'm full on I'm full on music and I, I couldn't be happier honestly Really well. Yeah, here's a question. Like when you like made the decision to like grow your hair long again, is uh, like that. And we discussed this once in person, but uh, I think some of our listeners would be interested in this. Like as an actor, that's that is like a choice because then you're suddenly are you can like still have roles, obviously, but they're going to be limited, and they're going to be certain kinds to roles. You know, like yeah. you're going to be like the redneck with the shotgun. Or, oh yeah, I've <laughs> yeah. The re yeah, the redneck and maybe the you know the shorter pirate. And that kind of thing, and then you know that's about it. And the rock fan, or the rock, yeah. or the roadie, you know that's kind of it. That's yeah, kind of and, it. 
But I, my, it's like you felt so strong. People gotta understand that's a sacrifice. You're, you felt so strong about this music that you were like, okay, I'm gonna limit some of my acting roles uh, possibilities because fuck it, I'm I'm yeah. going all in now. I gotta have the hair. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's totally true. Fuck it, I, I was I was had a lot of success. Honestly, you you saw my career. I mean, I'm no household name, but like. A lot of commercials, TV shows, Did a lot of commercial stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I was I was commercial dad. I was goofy dad for a while. And that guy doesn't <laughs> have long hair, you know. He's got yep. he's got a smile on his face and a little stubble on his beard, and then he goes to work. And that's that's the guy I was for a long time. And yeah, it's very. Um, it was a sacrifice in one way, but I felt a burnout, and I just felt a shifting of tides. You know, I know people somehow have three careers in their lives, and this was just the. Uh, kind of a, a phoenix rising you know of, of, uh, of the music musician uh, performer that i've always wanted to be but took the back seat and yeah the hair grew out and i said you know fuck it it's time it's it's time for this and this is what i want and i i don't know here it is here's the long hair <laughs> i can't imagine what kind of an interesting conversation this is to hear about my hair but well, no, I'm, hey, I'm throwing my hair all again too yeah yeah you yeah. must you must yeah. Sorry guys, yeah, I got my hair cut recently. But you know, me, my I hair, saw that. My, baby my hair, face too. Baby I face. I keep forgetting about that. You cut your hair. <laughs> yeah, my hair grows fast though, so I just needed to change. Sometimes that's the thing. You work, you get, you can just after a while, you just kind of get bored and looking at yourself the same way in the mirror. I don't know. That's what it comes down to. I just want to mix it up a little bit. I got. Oh, little... I get it. That's that's why I'm always like, dare I shave my beard today? I want to see what that guy looks like again. And then, you know, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Doesn't <laughs> it'll happen again but anyway that's all cool but but you know the hair represented something and, and that decision you made and your focus on music and art and you know rocking out and i think that's awesome hampton and yeah, thank you and uh eric you know uh, recently i understand that you've been uh you you just attended something that you love to attend once a year right it's this yes. time of the year yes it's it's not the Mariah Carey concert. Oh God, no! It's not. I, I stay far away from the fucking Mariah Carey show. What? <laughs> oh, but oh yeah, no, yeah uh, I went to see uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra this year. They came to uh, Fort Wayne, which is a hell of a lot closer to me than Chicago. Nice. And uh, my my dad came down with his fiance. I actually took my wife this time, and she she even enjoyed it. And she hates rock and heavy metal music, and she loved it. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'll get, you know, I wanted to give a brief review, uh, about TSO and, you know, yes. any of our listeners I know who may be on the fence about TSO, you gotta go see them. I mean, you know, if you got your, a girl with you that maybe isn't into, you know, metal or hard rock, take her cause she'll have a good time too. Uh, dude, I, I I'm going to be wondering honest with you. It's not just like, you know, the concert high. You know, it's not just the thing of, like, you just see a concert and, like, it's still fresh in your head and you just had a good time and you think it's the best show you ever saw, but it's really not. But, no, it's, like, a couple days after now and I'm still just, like, on cloud nine that I saw, like, the best show I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Oh, my God. The best ever? Like, not just the best Christmas metal show. It was the best TSO <laughs> show, but also, like, I'm, I honestly, dude, it's the best show I ever freaking saw. Wow. It just, the, the feel, the feeling it left me with was just amazing. And I mean, this, they went, they went all out this year with the production. You know, last year it was like the first, like, post-COVID tour. So you can tell they really scaled down on, like, kind of the, 
the production a bit, just, you know, just because, you know, it was still unsure times where, like, sure. at any moment, the tour could have been canceled. Um, so I, I imagine they didn't want to spend too much money on it, whereas this year they're like, fuck it, we're going all out. <laughs> and, oh, my yeah. God, the the show, like, it, it was awesome. They had, like, this cool, like, digital, like, it was a digital screen, but looked like, like, an old-school theater curtain with their name on it, like, right before they came out. And all of a sudden, like, when the lights went out, they intro- they said, like, you know, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, you know, and they did the fucking uh, orchestra, like, they did, like, the intro for Sgt. Pepper, like, they played it over the PA system, and I'm like, oh, right. shit, like, this is already pretty awesome. Uh, they opened with Fate, uh, they did Prometheus, and then Lost Christmas Eve, uh, which all the TSO fans, they don't know what songs those are. Yeah, because um, I have no idea. What <laughs> no, sorry. sorry. Great. It was a great way to open the show, and I'll tell you what, man. The the singer uh, John Brink, because I saw the East. They, they separate into two different bands. I saw the East one, which is they used to play Chicago when I'd go and see them. The East tour with Chris Caffrey, and that's my favorite lineup. Albatrelli's lineup. They were great last year when I saw them in Chicago, but Chris's lineup just has a more like just because I've known them longer, and that was always the one I saw. It just they're closer to me. And that's the most members of Sabotage in that lineup. Uh, but okay. Man, the the singer, um, John Brink, who did Lost Christmas Eve, man, best rendition of that song I've ever fucking heard. And then they go into, like, the story. They always do, like, uh, they always take an album and they do it, like, in its entirety with, like, the narrator and all that. And it's just, like, kind of done in a sequence. So they did Ghost of Christmas Eve, which is uh, it's a really good one. It's based off the TV special that they did, like, way back when they first started. Um, it has, like, basically songs, like, uh, it has basically songs from the first two albums kind of thrown together. Uh, and then they, like, kind of do a new narration for it. Uh, but it was phenomenal, man. The crowd was into it. It's just a good mix of music, man. You got your classical arrangements, but done with, like, you know, electric guitars and whatnot. You got your kind of, you know, bluesier, like, you know, bluesier R&B type numbers. You got your more softer, you know, ballady type songs. It's just, there's something for everyone. And then yeah. they do the second half of the show. Um, and then they, they threw out a bunch of songs, basically, that they have never done. And my, you know, our good friend Joseph Staub, who is a big TSO nerd, just like myself, you know, we were nerding. I was texting him about the show <laughs> afterwards and, we were nerding out over it, but we he said, you know, of all times you've seen them, a lot of these songs they have not played live. Uh, but yeah, I, I was kind of pointing out a couple key songs that were, really stood out to me. Uh, I got to see Zach Stevens for the first time, who was the second singer in Sabotage, and he's got an amazing voice. He did Christmas in the Air, and honestly, the he did it so well that I don't even think I can listen to the studio version the same way, because he, he killed it with that song. He's got a beautiful fucking voice. Um, Wizards and Wares always great, and I love too the Chris Caffrey lineup. They do like kind of the because Chris Caffrey's a huge Kiss fan. He does like the all the members they get up on the front of the stage. And they do like the thing Kiss does when they do Deuce. They do that same move towards the end, which is freaking epic. And uh, they did the Last Illusion, which is a it's basically the Flight of the Bumblebee mixed with uh, Ode to Joy, and that, that's always phenomenal. But the one fucking song, and dude, I have never ever like been to a show and like they like a band or whatever plays a song or they uh, dedicate a song to someone or, or both, and it, where it's made me cry. 
I've never tried that show until fucking last night. And I knew I knew the set list too. I knew wow. the song was coming up. But Chris Caffrey, because Chris Caffrey was with Sabotage, he was the rhythm guitarist. He was very close to Chris Oliva, who Chris Oliva is one of my all-time favorite guitarists. Well, they're gonna do "If I Go Away" from Streets, which is a very amazing album, one of my favorites. Very special album to me for many reasons, because you know me and my dad listened to it all the time growing up, so it reminds me of memories of my dad. But also, it's a concept album. It's about a you know rock star that kind of falls off, whatnot, you know, falls to drugs and tries to get. So now I'm about a second chance. I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but it means a lot to me because I I have really bad drug problem that you know I was really in some some tough times, and that album really helped me and uh, really helped me like kind of you know fight through the stay alive and you know get my life back in order. Well, they dedicated it to Paul O'Neill who created TSO and uh, you know he died a couple years back at. Chris Caffrey. Chris Caffrey's a joker. He's like their MC. You know, he always introduces the band and whatnot. And the guy is just a big goofball. I love him because he doesn't take himself seriously. He's just, he's the guy having like the most fun on stage. He's always laughing, always cutting jokes, always being funny. I love the guy. He's introducing If I Go Away and he's like pointing out like the sound guy that's there. And then also he points out John Oliva. John Oliva was in the crowd. And I was just like, holy shit, the Mountain King is in the audience. I was just like freaking out. I'm like, oh my god, I'm in the same room as John Oliva. <laughs> and things like, you know, he mentioned Paul O'Neill, but then he also brought Chris Cat uh Chris Oliva. And he's like talking about there's you know, you know, there's two people that, you know, were a big part of my life that helped write this upcoming song that we're about to play and write the, the album it's from and there are two people that should be here right now and all of a sudden man like I've never seen Chris Caffrey like emotional or anything and this, dude he literally started crying and he literally had to like leave the stage and say I'm sorry I uh, you know this next song is if I go away and uh, Kale Reeves is gonna do a great rendition and oh my god! And then like the piano started, the song started. I started fucking bawling. <laughs> Ian, my wife's like, "Are you fucking crying?" You know, I did. I I broke down. I started crying, man, because it was just like, oh, just like John Oliva being in the building, seeing Chris Caffrey like crying when talking about you know Paul and you know Chris Oliva, and just that song. It's just it's a beautiful song. That's one of my favorites off the album. That really like it it hits me right in the heart. All that just combined, like I started crying, and then of course Kayla Reeves, she's an amazing vocalist. She's like a female Paul Rogers, man. She has that raspy voice, really beautiful too, man. And she fucking killed it, man. And then, man, they played like some more songs after that. They do the, you know, they do Christmas Eve Sarajevo, uh, twelve twenty four twice because that's their big hit. And then they have the big like finale where they do that song at the end. They blow everything up. They got fire, pyro, and all this shit. Dude, it was just the best fucking show I've ever seen, man. Just so many moments. It was phenomenal, and honestly, anyone listening to this, because we're going to get this up uh, while they're still on tour, anyone that's on the fence about TSO, especially you, Bushy, I, Bushy, goddamn, you better see a show around. I'll buy you a ticket. Everyone that's on the fence about seeing it, go see it. I mean, even if you're not a fan of the, the music, which in your case, Edwin, uh, I know you're not a big fan of it, Seeing the show is very different. Not to mention, too, a lot of these songs sound way better live. Like I said, there are a lot of these songs I listen to, like, at this show, where, like, 
it, it's so much better than the studio version. When I listen to the studio version, it's almost not the same because it just doesn't capture the magic like that they do like live to these songs. But man, I'm gonna keep it like that. And the venue I saw it at was in Fort Wayne, in Fort Wayne. Amazing venue, man. It was fucking triple the size of the Allstate Arena, which uh, where I usually see TSO or for the old scores, the Rosemont Horizon, as it used to be called. But we were, like, really fucking high up, man. I mean, this is probably one of the biggest arenas I've ever been to, uh, even bigger than the, the United Center in Chicago where I go see Blackhawks games. But the acoustics in there are amazing because that was the loudest I ever heard TSO, too, because... They usually don't. They usually kind of keep the volume down because of the mixed crowd that they got. It's not a he- just a heavy metal crowd, but because the acoustics in that building, that place was loud. So, and that, anyone that wants that's on the fence, go see TSO. It's fucking phenomenal. You will not be let down. You will see a show like you've never seen before. That wow. that's leads into a question because uh, curious because uh, obviously the TSO audience, like you just said, not only are they not all necessarily, you know, metalheads, but I imagine a, le- a, a good chunk of them aren't Sabotage fans either. Like so, when yeah. they, so when they mix in actual old Sabotage songs, like how does the audience respond to that? Well, they do when they pick Sabotage songs. They usually pick ones that usually will work within the TXO TSO context. Like yes. they're not playing, you know, Dungeons Are Calling or something. You know, they're playing stuff from like you know like streets or they're playing you know uh they're playing like some classical pieces like prelude to madness or they're doing the more um uh they're doing the more progressive stuff like made from the zach stevens era so it's stuff that like actually kind of fits with tso and their sound yeah yeah yeah. so they probably just assume they're on you can always tell the the sabotage fans though because you'll hear them they they cheer a little bit extra louder when (laughs) those songs play yeah. You, you, you don't have to feel bad about crying at that. I got the best. Uh, this is a little bit of a digression, but oh, just so you know, Eric, uh, you can ne- you can never top me for crying at something that maybe you shouldn't be crying at. <laughs> that actually sounded fairly emotional. Like that was a legit reason to cry. Well, no, it was just a, it was a big <laughs> thing for me because I never had an experience like because you know I always hear people talk about you know they go to a show and. They hear a song that just it's just a meaningful song to them and they, they cry because just it, it moves them so much emotionally. That yeah. never happened to me until tonight. And it just came out of nowhere. I didn't expect it to happen. No, it's wow. totally legit. Well so I got I got that beat. So once um I'm watching Jaws two. Oh with, no. Yeah, yeah, with my ex wife. Oh, and God. she wasn't my ex at the time, she was my wife. And so we're watching <laughs> Jaws two and at the end where you know the dad saves the, his son, you know Brody, Martin Brody, yeah. electrocutes sure. the shark. You know the, the shark gets fried up. It's the second time he's killed a shark, he killed the shark. The shark goes down, gets burnt up, and then Sean, Sean Brody, his little kid who he saved, he goes, "Dad, you did it!" And he, and he like hugs his dad, and his dad makes a little joke, or he makes a joke. I forget the end. I should know this because I fucking see this <laughs> too an insane amount of times in my life. But anyway, I've been drinking. But <laughs> so the father and son, they brace. He killed the shark, and the John Williams score comes on, and I started crying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, felt, I felt bad for him. And I didn't cry, but I, I felt so bad for him in that movie because everyone's giving him a hard time. But then at the end, he saves the day. And it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, Chief Roy's still a fucking hero. There was something about it. Something about I can't tell you. It was like a father son thing. 
I, yeah. all I can hey, say I... is something about the father-son moment. I started crying, and <laughs> my ex, uh, Hampton knows her, Kathy, Kathy turns to me and goes, are you really fucking crying <laughs> at the end of Jaws 2? <laughs> hey, I, yes. I, I, I cried at the end of First Blood. Hey, that's an emotional scene. That's that's fucking sad, man. Yeah. I cry every time. I'm not even like mili- I I'm not even like I was never even in the military or anything, but just like, you know, hearing his story, like it, it doesn't even matter. It's like it, it's sad as fuck. Every yeah. every every Rocky movie makes me cry. Yeah. Oh my god, especially now I'm older and they make me cry. Yeah. Rocky five when he goes you know, when Mickey's ghost shows up and says, Get up, you son of a bitch. That makes oh, me I just cry. cried <laughs> I cried about Rocky Five because it was just such a bad movie. Oh, it makes me he cried you paid for your ticket. Oh. <laughs> it all yeah. makes me cry. God, fuck yeah. Me. Every fifteen minutes I'm crying for like the first two Rocky movies, there's always something that pops up. It's like, uh so much uh, I'm a Crier. Hey, I got yeah, I, I, I cry at every episode of Full House. That usually gets me. <laughs> He's got so much wisdom, that Danny Tanner, you know? So, so where are you? Where where do you fall, fall with uh, TSO and just the kind of general idea of Christmas heavy metal music? And have you seen them? Me? No. I, I, oh, you know, I wish I could have added more to your, uh, your, your story here. It's a beautiful story. But I don't need to see them and check yeah. back with us next year. <laughs> All I know is that one... There's one hit song that always plays. It's there's no vocals whatsoever, and it's the yep. only song of theirs that I know. And honestly, I haven't given them a, a, as time as I should, only because there's only so many hours in the day, and I haven't gotten really into the music yet. And I'm completely into orchestration. I'm into metal, and I'm into Christmas music. Yeah, you so, might actually like yeah, it, Hampton. Because no, Hampton. No, it's one of those where yeah. I feel like I have no doubt that I would like it. Yeah, because just haven't gotten there yet. Because yeah. aren't you a big Danny Elfman fan? Don't you like yes, Bongo, yeah, Bongo, yeah, all that yeah, stuff? Dude, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I was gonna mention that even a, a brief story. Just a couple weeks ago, I went to go see Danny Elfman um, at the Hollywood Bowl, and I've been a huge Elfman fan my entire life. My first favorite band was Oingo Boingo, and when I go to see this show, it's like this unique experience that you can't. Uh, th- there aren't any other artists doing this kind of thing. A guy who was kind of a a pop centerpiece in the 80s, you know, pop, not so much pop, but, uh, you know, that kind of music, whatever you'd call Oingo Boingo, I don't know. I thought they were New Wave. Yeah, New Wave, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. New Wave, and then he goes on to just do, I don't know, countless movie scores. We've all heard mu- his music. And oh, then yeah, he has yeah. a new album out, and so you're watching this beautiful show of this guy who's just like 68 years old or 65, I don't know, and it's this gigantic story of his life basically perfectly mixing in soundtrack and movie clips and then a boingo song here and then a song from his new album and to see that um you know i was very moved and i love that stuff i absolutely love that kind of music so yeah this should this should turn me on very much i i think maybe because of the the rotation i'm very big on bands that kind of keep uh keep members and like I don't really know what this orchestra is all about. There's like a you know 80 members or something. <laughs> but, they split into two different uh, groups because they have so much touring to do in a limited amount of time. So they got the East group and the the West group. Right. But they're both good, man. I saw I saw the the East I saw the West group last year and I saw the East group this year and they're both pretty phenomenal. They, they they got three California shows, man. They got Fresno, Sacramento, Ontario, December. First, second, and third. So 
Dude, nice. get get it. Come get on, get your ticket. tickets now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's another issue. I have an issue. Uh-oh. In, in general, there, there's a few exceptions. I don't really like Christmas music. In general. Oh. I don't even really like Christmas, if I'm going to be honest. I'm not a big Christmas guy. Yeah, I know. People are going to think I'm an asshole. What's your favorite holiday, then? Halloween. Fucking Halloween. Yeah. Solid answer. Thanksgiving better than Christmas? Uh, Yeah, I kind of do. You know why? uh, Yeah, I like Thanksgiving. It's in and out. It's like a fucking day. Eat some turkey. You hang out with your family. It's done. Everyone just makes such a big fucking deal about Christmas. And it's like, and it keeps happening earlier and earlier. It's like, I I do agree. It's like a glimpse of a holiday. It consumes so much of the fucking year. Oh, I love it. I love how, I love Halloween so much that it annoys me that the day after Halloween, Christmas stuff starts happening. I don't like that. That bothers me too. They should wait till after Thanksgiving. No, I, I, I'm the <laughs> asshole that I'm putting up Christmas decorations the day after Halloween. No, I'm that I don't like oh, you are? Oh, oh I'm just oh, twitching. Like, I, I hold up. I hold up, but I'm twitching the entire time. <laughs> hey, listen, when I was a kid, fucking Santa Claus came to town on Thanksgiving. Day. That was the thing. But, you know, it's, uh, that, you know, I'm just saying, you know, it maybe I would hate Christmas a little bit less if it wasn't like two and a half months of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those people that... It's like those people, like the they. Oh, it's my birth week, or oh, it's my birth month. Like birthday get the month. fuck out of here! You get one day, asshole. One day, maybe a weekend if it falls on the right day. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, I, like I said, I like I like darker shit. I like horror movies. I like monster movies. I like October more than December. So there's a lot of reasons why I'm more of a Halloween guy than Christmas guy. I'm not like a total Scrooge. And I, you know, I like some stuff. I like like Bill Spector's Christmas album and. A, and a few things, you know. Yeah. I, I I don't. I like Elvis singing Christmas songs. Sure. Frank Sinatra. Like a nice here and there. Yeah. Yep. There you go. And no. you know, I don't. Even, this is the thing. Even ACDC couldn't do a good Christmas song. Oh, Mistress for Christmas sucks. <laughs> oh. You know. I. You know. I'll be the guy here. I enjoy it. <laughs> I. I know it's not liked, but I always enjoyed it because I'm a Christmas nerd. I, I you know what I, I do? I go and I actually change. If there's certain songs I don't want coming up on certain genres, yeah. like shuffles, like I don't want to hear Christmas, uh, Mistress for Christmas when I'm doing a metal shuffle. So I put it under holiday of course not. music. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's where it should go. That's where it yeah. should go. And, you know, it's good because when it comes on, it's like one of the worst Christmas songs, but I don't mind as much because I'm only going to listen to it like once or twice a year in December. You know, that's it. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Well, that that I song actually is... listen to it in December. Yeah, well, because oh, I will. Cause I'm not. I'm not a total Scrooge. I will put on a like if it's like Christmas Eve or something in the morning, a little coffee, just for the novelty of it, for something a little different. I'll put on my holiday shuffle. It's made, like I got the Run DMC Christmas song, which is oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Christmas and Hollis, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, Holiday and Hollis, close. Mm-hmm. The, uh, but, you know, James Brown, I got like, th- I got three James Brown Christmas albums. That motherfucker had three Christmas albums? Yeah! yeah. Wow. You got, you got to pay the bills, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think Halford, I think Halford now has three Christmas I albums. I don't That like motherfucker it. loves him some Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah he does. Know. That's like, yeah, I don't really like it. Three? <laughs> No, I can't not get really. into it. I can't get into it. But I, I like, you know, but I do like some of the Phil Spector stuff. I like Sinatra. 
I like James Brown, Nat King Cole, Christmas, some of the more old school shit. Sure. Oh yeah, that reminds me. Growing up, we had that stuff playing in my house all the time. So that, I've yeah. got nostalgia factor too. My parents play. Yeah, some of I don't know. I just don't like mixing heavy metal and Christmas. Just some of I like Halloween and heavy metal. I think that works better. But hey, if you see it, you love it. It sounds like a great show. I'm glad. I'm glad. Anything that can make a man cry is great, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, oh, I cried a little bitch. Yeah, yeah, except the kick to the junk. Anything else, I'm all on board. You know? Yeah, but the funny thing is, like ACDC, there's like only a handful of songs I don't like, and Mistress Christmas would be one of them. And three or four wow. of them, the rest would probably be on Razor's Edge as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's three ACDC songs like I just cannot listen to because I just don't like it. Mistress for Kiss, Chris, Mistress for Christmas is one of them. I'm having Man. a stroke just thinking about it. It's yeah. hard to say. I, I don't like well, that I, either. Let me say I have a little I have a little emotional connection to that song. And I'll keep it brief. When I was when I was younger, back in the high school days, uh, back in the mixtape days, I had Ooh. a gal who uh, who wanted my favor, and she <laughs> as it were, <laughs> Your and, favor. She, and she made a mixtape for me. And it was Ooh, all, it was, yeah, it was all sexual innuendo songs. I didn't realize this until a little few years later, but, uh, you know, they're all like sex and uh, Mistress for Christmas was one of them. And so it was the first mixtape I'd ever gotten from a girl. So uh, that whole tape kind of had a, a special connection for me. That's why I can't really separate whether or not Mistress for Christmas is a good song or not, because it takes me back to a mixtape where, uh, oh, where she wanted a piece. You know, some, you know. Some people might be confused by this. Like some of our listeners are going, "Wait, wait a woman made a mixtape for a guy?" Oh, yeah. yeah, they yes. don't. Re- Hampton, uh, he's handsome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he I'm doesn't at his, just uh, sound handsome. Right now, he's, he's a beautiful man. Uh, he's a oh gosh, I just, guys, please. I, I just, <laughs> I'm not saying that to, to blow smoke up your ass, Hampton. I'm saying no. Explain you put, to explain. Hey, you put, people that are confused right now <laughs> yeah you got to put ice packs over your eyes every morning and all that stuff and then you're fine then they flock to you like like bees yeah. to a hive you see you don't because yeah. you look your life as a handsome man uh <laughs> men or below no i was i was 12 and 13 once no one was handsome when they were 12 and 13 no you weren't i can't though. test for that <laughs> <laughs> i got a fucking mullet from hell when i was yes. like 13 <laughs> I have yes. a fucking bullet from hell, except for I mean it in an awesome way. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys ever go buzz cut? I went buzz cut. Like when I was a top. little kid, I had to flat get buzz top. cuts. Yep, yeah. Never did it. Never did it because I'm not a fucking narc. No, I was. I was a narc. That's what you're supposed narc. to do for football. 21 Jump Street. Yeah, yeah. I showed up for freshman football, like, and I like, thought you had to cut your hair, so I got a flat top. Like, I, th- I think that wig. long hair, it's a wig. You've got to take it off when you report yeah. to the LAPD. Well, no, yeah, every right. football team has, has to have the guy who has long hair. He doesn't even play in the game. He just sits on the bench when the camera pans to him, and they're showing an advertisement for Pantene. He takes his helmet off and just waves his hair yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, we had the guy. You had the guy. Okay, okay, Hampton, enough of this uh, silliness. But it's great silliness. Let's talk. Let's talk about ACDC in this album for Woo! those about to rock. Yeah, ain't no mistress of Christmas on this shit. No, Hell fucking yeah. no, no. no. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. And well, we're, listen. I guess for the next hour or so, it's just going to be a big gush of Rama. So, oh my god, yeah. But before, yeah, pretty much. 
Yeah, so before we get to the Gus Rama, we brought, you and me, I, I believe we were, we were having drinks at the, uh, Over the Rainbow, which is that cool little bar that's at the top of the, the Rainbow Bar and Grill. Yep. And we were having, that's my favorite bar. Is that your favorite bar at the Rainbow? There's three of them. Up that, there, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the spot for me. Outside, it's always, I like being outside more, but it's always a little too smoky for me, I gotta say. So I go oh, inside. Yeah. It's too like, many. Uh, Tourist outside. That's usually where tourists go. I like the upstairs one. It's a little more Agreed. legit. Agreed. Yeah. And it has a cool vibe. They play good music there, too. Kind of a mixture of metal and new wave and punk, and it's cool stuff you hear. But anyway, so, so we were off there having drinks, and I don't know who brought this up, but somehow we start, maybe because they played a song from it or something, but we started talking about For This About to Rock, and I'd known you for many years, and I didn't know the story, and you told me about this interesting location where you heard this for the first time this album and i was like and that's when i said oh we gotta do a podcast and you know and you gotta come on and you know talk about this album so tell us the story about the first time you heard and got this album all right so i'll just jump right into this part so i uh i was traveling when i was 17 i was traveling in italy i went to italy uh i was fortunate enough to go just for a few weeks and I was by myself, actually. It was kind of a, a student exchange program. Um, though I went in the summertime and there wasn't actually any school. So it was just sort of a six-week um, Italian party as a 17-year-old. Um, point is, this is before the internet, before iPods and all that stuff. So I had my trusty Walkman with me. And that was the way I got my tunes. And I forgot to bring any <laughs> music with me. So one of the first things I did there was take my measly, uh, measly monies and go to some place that it was kind of um, like a convenience store or gas station kind of thing. I don't really recall, but it's where you can also pick up random tapes. I don't know if any place in the United States still does that in like stores where they sell cassette tapes. But I went in and I grabbed three cassette tapes. One of them, one of them was LL Cool J, I think. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome. The other one, I'm going to get to hate, some hate for this. Was Van Van Halen for unlawful carnal knowledge? Oh, again, I'd never heard it. Never heard it. Had the so name it, is this like the like early nineties, like ninety? Yeah, this was ninety ninety one. It's ninety one. Okay, so I'll, this I'll was yeah. So this is kind of before you really got into you know knowing about music when all the music was just still kind of coming at you. At least for me, it was like I loved it all. Like oh, there's guitars and they're screaming more. Um, before I really made my tastes known. And the third cassette I got was ACDC for those about to rock. Now, I did not know this at all. I had only heard, like, Back in Black and I think Dirty Deeds at that point, maybe. So this was still kind of a new band for me that I enjoyed. Um, and yeah, this, and was I got an, a, this was an Italian cassette. Right? Yeah, it's an Italian cassette. I got it right here in my hand. So it's... I don't know the American version of it, but this is, um, it's got the color, the same color as the vinyl on it. Uh, the front cover's got the square that we used to do, where it's just like a pic snapshot of the album, and yeah. above it's like black with white writing. Um, yeah, and there's Italian writing all over it. It says, uh, my accent's terrible. Attenzione! Something like that. I think that was pretty awful. But yeah, that writing is all over this cassette. So it's, um, I don't know if it's a bootleg or exactly how they did it. I mean, it looks legit, you know, nice. Well, it might be. To me. It's probably a legit attack because they are a major, major label act. It's probably just the Italian branch. Of, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, whatever the Italian 
branch of Atlantic or Atco Records would have been. I don't know, you know, but that's probably just. Is it the same running order, the same tracks? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, same cool. starts. It goes back to rock. Yeah, yeah. And, same, it, same and order. it is, a, and it's a gold cover. It's still gold. Yes, it's that weird gold orange that I think it is. Yeah. My eyes are bad. Yeah, gold. Uh, yeah, so this is a really nice keepsake that I have, and I used to. I mean, I uh, I have memories of blasting this cassette tape in my head while walking through the Vatican. Wow. <laughs> that's for, that's kind of an unusual life, <laughs> slice of life right there. You know, wow. I, I I won't get into this, this too much for now, but I couldn't I couldn't get enough of this this tape. Wow, so it, cool, so. you, yeah, I, I've been to Vatican, but I wasn't in the Vatican. It, it didn't rock. It, no, you I, went I was to Vatican I, without rocking. I wasn't 17 years old and rocking no. the ACDC yeah. while I was in there. I had cannons, I had cannons <laughs> blowing up in my ears while I was going through the Sistine Chapel. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's a moment. Yeah. So whenever you listen, I mean, this album is great regardless, and we'll talk about that one. But you know, talking about it, but obviously you associate this album with that time period. So it's a, is it possible for you to listen to this and not have those images? And you know, no, I can, I can. I, I can step to the side and look at it for what it is if I want to. However, I choose not to because that was such a, such an unusual time. You know, um, I, I can't do it. It just reminds me of Italy and going on my very first. I mean, seventeen. That was really my first adventure outside of you know my hometown. Um, mega adventure. It just kind of all connects. It makes part of the soundtrack of that period of my life. So, you know. Dare I say I also have a little love for for unlawful carnal knowledge because it's the same thing. But you know I've learned I've learned over time. But this this one sticks with me. Hey, it, it's be, it could have it could have been worse. It could have been OU812. Could have been. Could have been. Eric, what's your? That's an awesome story. <laughs> but Eric, what's your story and what's your history? Uh, first with ACDC and then specifically this album. Oh man, so uh, I mean ACDC is a band. Uh, as old as time, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, ACDC was a band that I, I liked growing up. I can't pinpoint exactly when I first heard them and what song I first heard by them, but they're just a band that's, they've always existed as far as, I can, as I'm concerned. Uh, I, was, I was a fan growing up as a little kid, but then in, like, my, uh, I want to say middle school to teenage years, I became kind of a snob. And uh, just kind of put down ACDC, and it's probably because of one particular song that I don't like. That's one of their most popular songs, and hearing it on the radio all the time. And uh, I'm just gonna give a spoiler alert for if we ever do Back in Black. I, I hate the song "You Shook Me All Night Long." I never liked that song in the first place, and then yeah. hearing it all the time on the radio just uh like just torture. Yeah, and to that. Yeah, yeah I, I hate that song. And then uh, you know I I um. I, I loved them as a kid, but then as I got older, I became, like I said, a snob to, you know, certain types of music or certain bands, and I kind of just saw them as, like, oh, they do the same fucking song over and over again, they're not really that great, they're overrated, blah, 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 and I know a lot of people like that, too, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, people younger than me that I've become friends with, you know, through... Uh, you know, through Instagram, you know, like, discovering people that like the same kind of music as me, and, and a lot of them don't really like ACDC, uh, probably for the same reasons I did, but they're a lot younger than I am, and who knows, maybe they'll change their mind as they get older, 
because for me it was uh, high school. I met my friends who we started a, a band with, and they all loved ACDC, and I was like, eh, they're overrated. And I think it was Beating Around the Bush. My friend Nick Mills played Beating Around the Bush for me. And I think I, when I first heard it, I didn't even know it was ACDC, because that was a song I didn't know by them, or I wasn't as familiar with. And it, it blew me away, but I didn't know it was ACDC. I thought it was like Aerosmith or something. They're like, no, it's Beating Around the Bush by ACDC. And then that was what changed my mind. And then I heard, you know... Uh, touch too much. I have very great memories of Touch Too Much. Uh, you know, that's a song that reminds me of the first time me and my friends who started the band in high school. It reminds me of the first night we all hung out together. You know, we had our first band practice. We hung out, had fun, and then that next morning, you know, my friend Nick McGregor. I want to give a shout out to him. Uh, he he was playing uh, Touch Too Much like nonstop on his phone. And I kind of woke up and heard it. You know, and he's bugging my friend Nick, like, hey, teach me the tabs to, to Sweet Child of Mine and, like, hitting uh, Nick Mills with his drumsticks and brings back so many great memories. But that was the moment where I realized, you know, ACDC, there's a lot more to this band. And, no, they, just because they, some songs, yeah, they do kind of sound the same. They're all amazing songs, and they all need to be heard. And it, it, my love just grew. And specifically uh, for those about to rock, you know, in the whole Brian Johnson era, I guess I'll go into For Those About to Rock. The first time I heard the title track was my mom picking me up from my friend Kiefer's house. I had, you know, you know, we were in elementary school at the time, and uh, me and him were hanging out, and I spent the night at his place. We were playing video games and stuff. My mom comes and picks me up the next morning, and she had that CD. And I just remember hearing the song, hearing the cannons, and it just, like, it pumped me up. I, I loved it. I thought it was so cool. And, you know, the Brian Johnson era, I really, um, you know, I, I really slept on the Brian Johnson era for so long. Mm. I was all about the Bon Scott era. I thought the Brian Johnson era was kind of, eh. You know, to be fair, Brian Johnson era produced like two of the songs I hate, but two or three of the songs I hate by ACDC that are two of which are played all the time on the radio. And so I kind of, I kind of slept on the Brian Johnson era and it's, wasn't until like uh, more recently I've really gotten into the Brian Johnson era and really been digging it. But uh, I remember that was my first memory of For Those About to Rock. Wow. Yeah. And I, I will say it's this one, Flick of the Switch, and Back in Black are always like fighting for that spot for uh, my favorite Brian Johnson era ACDC album. And I gotta ask you guys, I mean, what's. Uh, do you think this album is technically a better album than Back in Black and just Back in Black is just more mainstream? Or, I mean, what do you guys think about for those about Ooh, Rock versus well, Back in Black? That's a good you know, question. You know, you know what I'll say? I'll say that I I just feel that Back in Black has more obvious hits. You know? Yeah. That, and that's kind of the, the, the cut and dryness of it, I think. Maybe more eyes were on it at the time because due to Bond's passing and people want to see it. I mean, I wasn't around in ACDC at that time, so I couldn't say as somebody was going through it, but I, I just feel that it has more hits. I don't really think it's a, necessarily a better album. I don't think hits make a better album, per se. It's kind of, it's more the vibe of the album and the songs that you connect with, and I think they're just more accessible songs on Back in Black than there are on For Those About to Rock as a whole. So that's what I think. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say and I, I think Back in Black uh, objectively, I would give that an it. Actually, objectively, I think Back in Black's their best album. My favorite's Power. Mm. And my second favorite's this album. 
Back in Black's probably still my, my third favorite album, which is pretty impressive considering how many fucking times I've heard that in my lifetime. <laughs> and it's like, not just because of myself, you know, because of the world. I live in the world. It's everywhere. And yet, it's not as burned out as it should be considering, but it's a little burned out. The fact that I'm in my 40s and Back in Black is just a little burned out for me is impressive. It says something about the quality of that album. Yeah, and, it's and, ridiculous. Yeah. And the the production now separately, like by themselves, like some some of the hits, like you shook me all night long. I never need to hear that song by itself ever again. Mm-hmm. But but part of the album, you know, you know, coming on after Back in Black on the second side, like, you know, I'm not skipping it. You know, it's great, and I do love that album. I give the production a slight edge. I think. The lyrics have a slight edge because, you know, there's some Bon Scott lyrics still left over, I think, right. in yeah. spots in Black and Black. Not the whole album, uh, but a few songs. I think a few songs do have uh, a few bon- Bonisms here and there. I would have to think so. I mean, it was yeah. so close. Yeah, it's it. so yeah. close. And you can kind of hear it. There's some, I bet you shook me all night long. It's one of them, actually. And if you listen to the verses and rock and roll ain't no- noise pollution. There's a few songs. Uh, Let Me Put My Love Into You feels a little Bond-esque. Doesn't That's sound my like, favorite. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a song Brian would write, really. Uh, but then again, but there are some songs like Hell's Bells. And obviously, the title track was written post-Bond because it's about, you know, them you know conquering yeah. death or, or was it no, no I, don't buy, I don't buy that bullshit about <laughs> ACDC writing songs about fucking bank accounts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's obviously after Bond and even the, the there, people talk about the lyrics a lot but they don't talk about the the vocal differences between Brian and Bond is they kind of phrase words a little bit different especially in the verses and Brian has a faster kind of a uh, he sings faster in the verses than Bond who stretches things out a little more melodically and and you have that in Back in Black it has more of that rapid fire kind of Brian Johnson approach Uh, Bond wrote he just wouldn't have written lyrics quite like that in that phrasing his phrasing was closer to like you shook me all night long or um, let me put my love into you where it's a little more stretched out and melodic so that's Mm -hmm. all I say almost in a way a little popular Bond's a little kind of popular than Brian Johnson who's a little just bluesier and heavy metal in a way because uh, he's more of a shrieker you know um, yeah. but anyway that aside so yeah I guess you could say that from a s- vocal standpoint because of that hangover I feel Back in Black's kind of the perfect ACDC album because it's kind of it's got all, it's got everything that was great about Bon Scott and Brian Johnson air kind of in one album. That being said, that being said, I do think there's a case that for the about for those about to rock, we salute use this kind of a, a heavier album, a darker album, and kind of a more progressive album musically. And I absolutely, would say, yeah. yeah. And it's I could definitely see why Headbangers love it so much. It's definitely more of a heavy metal album. That being said, there are some really catchy songs, and I definitely think it should be played more on classic rock radio with the obvious exception of the title track which of course is but you know like let's get it up was a big hit back in the day you know yeah. back in the 81 but that's kind of a forgotten song now like you don't hear that on Never. classic rock radio and yeah. 
P.O.D. I think is really catchy. There's, there's, it has its moments where it feels like if you like those catchy songs of Back in Black, you should like this too. And obviously this album was number one. It went you know, multi-platinum. It sold a lot of copies. But I don't know, it's kind of crazy how much more Back in Black has sold than all the other albums. Like even Highway to Hell, which is their second biggest seller and very catchy, and objectively probably their second best album, although it's my fourth favorite album. Um, but but even that, like it's a big gulf between even Highway to Hell and Back in Black. Like Back in Black has just sold so many more copies. Yeah, it's like twenty five plus, I think. And it's just it's just to the point where it's a little stupid considering that I mean no I mean if you love Back in Black, who stops there? I wanna know these people. I wanna know the person that stops there and goes, That's enough. <laughs> I think they're the people who like the singles off the album. That's yeah, that's it. You know, that's that's, that's, that's like, why the Black album by Metallica is so popular because people like their singles and they'll go get them. It's just, uh, I, I no, it really, doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it's like I like seeing, albums. It's like seeing like one. It's like seeing one James Bond movie and going, okay, that's it. That's enough for yeah. me. <laughs> who does that? You know, the best villains. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. You know, I don't know. This is like, if you love Back in Black so much, why wouldn't you want to hear the album, like this album, that sounds more like Back in Black than any other album ever recorded? <laughs> you know? Uh, you know. It just doesn't uh, make sense to me. There just aren't enough super music nerds like us who just want to go down the rabbit hole constantly of every band. Yeah, you know? yeah I know, but I mean, it's just like, it's so popular. That's the thing. Back in Black is so fucking popular. Why wouldn't you... It'd be like, no one stops with just Star Wars. They're going to see fucking Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Back <laughs> in Black, but Back in Black is like earned its place somehow as the time capsule album. Like, if I, there's a time capsule, it's going to be in there. I just think it's, it doesn't make sense to me. Scientifically speaking, you should also love for those about to rock if you love uh, Back in Black. Uh, my mind works like the Amazon algorithm. You know, if you like that <laughs> album, you should here's, like the fucking album. <laughs> same singer, sings the same way, same production, same songwriting chops. Fucking, it's 81. It's just, it's just one year after the other album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, I get, hey, I love flicking a switch, but I can get why back and black, some, like pop people wouldn't like that. It's too raw. It's not as single driven. It's, I get it. But come on, this album, this is a slick, catchy fucking album. Yeah, it's a little more progressive. It's a little darker. It's a little more heavy metal, but not to such a degree that they shouldn't still fucking love it. It makes no sense. <laughs> right. Well, the fans love it. The ACDC fans love it. Yeah. Is the thing. And the commoners, dare I say, the commoners don't care for <laughs> it because they only have, there's, there's really only the one song on it and all the rest are buried. Yeah. It, is, that, is, is that what it really comes down to? If they just, if they haven't heard something before, they just won't listen to it? Really? Um, yeah. You know, it, it takes a special breed. You know, myself, like I said, when I got back into the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, I deep dove everything. You know, like, oh, I, I remember Alice Cooper. I remember Trash. Now I now I know every single album, and I, I'm just that person. And some yeah. people aren't like that. They just want some music on in the background. You know, they want to, like, lift weights and listen to fucking back. <laughs> Nothing wrong with lifting weights, but, you know, putting the I hits know. on. Hell's Bells, yeah. I know, that's, but that's if you love know. Hell's Bells, you should love the evil walks. <laughs> you should. You should. <laughs> but, uh, but who are you going to talk about it with, you know? You can talk okay. to Hell's Bells to anybody. 
Yeah, because they know that's the thing. Yeah. Well, actually, that was one reason uh, they they asked uh, Angus or Malcolm back in the day, like, why don't you do some so- more songs from Powerage or like albums like Flick It a Switch? And they said the the most of the audience wouldn't know them. That was it. That was their excuse. I don't, I think that's a piss poor excuse, yeah. but that's their excuse, you know. And over the years, they have include because they do personally love Powerage so much. They have. Every once in a while, they, they, they will throw in some power of songs. But Flick It is anything that Brian Johnson sang on from, with the exception of this title track, everything kind of from 81 to not, pretty much anything post Back in Black, with the exception of Thunderstruck and for those about to rock, oh. we still with the except we know the song he doesn't like. <laughs> so Thunderstruck and for those about to rock, we salute. They're the only two post Back in Black staples. It wasn't that way in the late 80s, or even when I first saw them on the Razor's Edge tour. They were still doing, like, Who Made Who and Blow Up Your Video Song. Yeah. It, got, it, was a, it was a nice mixture of Brian Johnson and Bon Scott era stuff. But over in this, actually, it's a good segue to... It's a little different for me, Eric. It was a kind of... Uh, and maybe Hampton might be the same way, because of when we got into it, which was a closer time period. Because I got into ACDC in the very, very late 80s. Because of uh, Maximum Overdrive and the Who Made Who soundtrack. Oh, I love hey, Maximum Overdrive. That's a great yeah. fucking movie. Great movie. Yeah. And because of that, I was kind of introduced to the Brian Johnson era. There was only one Bon Scott song on that album. It was Ride On, you know, which is a great song, but not the song that's going to make you think like that era is better than the Brian Johnson era because it's, yeah. it's the one soft, quiet right. kind of song. You for know, me, it was, for me it was song, Dirty but... Deeds, actually. Like, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt there. Like, Brian, like, I was all about Brian for a long time. I know you said, yeah. Eric, you were more into Bond. Like, I was way yeah. more into Brian. I was more into, yeah, and yeah. what I did is, uh, after, after I got the, after I borrowed Who Made Who from a friend, I had some allowance money, you know, I'm in junior high, and I go to the record store, the record store, I go to the <laughs> record store, and I got three cassettes, and I picked songs that, I picked albums that had songs that I knew I liked from Who Made Who. So I got Back in Black, Fly on the Wall, and I got Dirty Deeds and Dirt Cheap because Ride On was on that. And I thought, okay, I should get one with the old singer. That's what you got. People have to understand now, too, with my generation, we didn't. It wasn't like Ralph's generation where they there was this myth of Bob Scott. That hadn't really taken on yet. That would kind of come a little bit later when they got canonized on them. Classic rock in the 90s. Yeah. In the late 80s, it was really just kind of about the back and black, you know, and with a few songs, maybe Dirty Deeds Under Cheap and Highway to Hell. But that was about it, you know. And so I kind of just, I knew that they had this older singer. It was like part of the mythology of ACDC that the singer had died and then Brian Johnson came up back in black and it was about them. That's my, mainly what I knew. You know, it's kind of like Sid Barrett and Pink Floyd. Like, it was just yeah. this mythology that there was a singer before Brian Johnson. But I got to tell you, at the time, I kind of thought of Brian Johnson as the ACDC singer. This is the guy that sings those songs from Back in Black, you know? And yeah. there was a guy before. So that's kind of how... And then they had their big comeback with Thunderstruck and the Razor's Edge. So my era, that was kind of like I was introduced with... It's like how some people think of like if they grew up depending on what bond they you know were into like Roger Moore for a lot of 
people, that's their James Bond because they grew up with him, you know? Even if they objectively can kind of see Sean Connery better, they have a certain soft spot for Roger Moore, you know, and people will feel that way about subsequent Bonds. Well, I'm saying I kind of got into ACDC for Ron Johnson, so... Even though I later on grew to love Bon Scott, and he's one of my favorite singers, and I kind of I can't really pick either one. To me, they're both awesome, and it's like obviously Bon Scott's a I think a stronger lyricist. I think that's fairly evident. But as singers, as personalities, uh, they're, they're pretty much that connect to me. I love them yeah. both. No, I got to agree with you. I mean, it's the same thing for me as choosing like two different guitar tones in an awesome band like you're like well what do i care they're different but the band's still freaking awesome either way so he's definitely the best replacement singer (laughs) i mean think about replacement singer brian johnson definitely is the best replacement singer he just had that he had that working class quality that bond had he nailed it he had the pipes especially on those first three albums oh god yes especially especially this album man yeah i mean yeah it's uh this I think this is his peak. I mean, yeah, Flick of the Switch, he's screaming more, and it's really impressive, but there's a little more color on this album. All over it. Yeah, yeah so I, yeah, I feel this is Brian Johnson's peak as a vocalist. It's amazing. Bon Scott would have loved this shit, you know? He, yeah. he was a fan of Brian Johnson. They were, you know, they even shared a pint a few times on tour together with their two previous bands before ACDC. Yeah. That's so uh, badass. Are there any pictures yeah. of that? There's no pictures. pictures right? There's no pictures, but it it did happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the fraternity, which is Bon Scott's fan, and Jordy were touring uh, Europe and uh, England together in the early 70s. And they had a pint, and they shared a flat a few times. And, yeah, that's how later on, and this is part of the mythology, but it's true. Some people think it's bullshit, but it's actually true. Uh, Angus talked up Brian Johnson to Bon Scott. To, uh, Bob Scott talked up Brian Johnson to Angus Young once, and they remembered that when he auditioned many years later. So, yeah, so I mean, it doesn't get more legit than that, you know? This is a yeah. guy that actually had a few pints of Bond and was the real deal, and he was a great... And they both loved, like, Little Richard and old-school rock and roll, so, you know, yeah, Bond would have totally gotten behind Brian, and I think he would have loved this album, you know? And... I like I said, I kind of I objectively would give back and back a slight edge, but they're close. They're damn close in quality and I think if you think this is the best A C D C album, not just subjectively but objectively, I wouldn't say you're wrong. Hey Kurt Loader back in the day thought it was the best A C D C album. It's it's actually the only Rolling Stone review I ever read that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was him who said it was the best. I remember yeah. Rolling Stone. Is it Kurt was Loder? It, okay. Yeah, it was Kurt Loder back when he wrote it. I liked <laughs> that. It was a well-written review, and I liked it because it, it's one of the few... Well, I always liked Kurt Loder. I never had a problem with him. I liked him on MTV, too. He never seemed pretentious. He always just seemed like a smart guy, but just gave you what, you know, just told you what he thought, you know? Yeah, he was telling the news. Yeah, yeah. usually. Yeah. He was a very straightforward guy. He wasn't as try-hard. He wasn't trying to be hip like all the other people. And he wasn't as sanctimonious and self-righteous as a lot of the earlier, older Rolling Stone douchebags, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I like the cut of his jib, and he was kind of the first canonized, acceptable critic in America to kind of give ACDC their dues. And he said, you know, ACDC is a lot smarter than people realize, and that they're really going to be carrying the torch for Led Zeppelin. He said that with this album. Whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he was right. And he also acknowledged the awesomeness of the Spellbound riff 
<laughs> which we'll talk yes. about that. But it's a really good review. It's like one of the few reviews I like. But he he did, although some people might not like it because he said he liked Brian Johnson better than Bon Scott. But that's what he said. That wouldn't be acceptable and like canonized now to say. But he said that back in '81, and he thought this was their best album to date. He thought this was an improvement on Highway to Hell and Back in Black. So you know, and that's not something that people would say now. But again, people rewrite history. In '81, this was a very well received album, both critically and commercially. It was their first number one. Let's Get It Up was played on the radio, rock radio a lot. And uh, for whatever reason, they, they started to be like kind of this reputation about this album that it wasn't as good as Back in Black. You know, I just I remember hearing that a lot when I was a teenager. And even when the early days of the Internet, I would re- re- read a lot of negative reviews about this album. Now, I, ha- I have noticed in the past five, ten years, it's kind of having a resurgence again with hardcore ACDC fans. Kind of like Flick of the Switch, and uh, it is really loved by headbangers and hardcore ACDC fans now. But there was a time period uh, where this was considered a like poor follow-up to Back in Black, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. People thought it was too mm. slow, not as... Uh, I, I, I think that was the big thing. A lot of people thought it, it was kind of too mid-tempo. And, not enough up-tempo. I was, I was listening to that thinking, what would, be the, what would be the one nitpick if I had to? It would have to be that, if anything. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, and they, and they just thought uh, it was a little too slick, the production, and, yeah. which the band itself did think that, but I, I disagree. I think this is, uh, I mean, it's not, quite, it's not quite Pyromania, and I love Pyromania, but it does sound like it's one album away from Mutt Lang turning ACDC into Death Leopard. It's I know like, he, I know <laughs> he went that way though. I, I don't yeah. I don't hear the slickness in this. I hear that I hear everything stands out to me really I mean, yeah, well. You know? Yeah, but like Night of the Long Knife sounds like it sounds like it's one step away from Death Leopard to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know what's wrong with what's wrong with Pyro what's wrong with Pyromania? Hey, nothing. I, I, I love Pyromania. That's Pyromania is amazing. It's amazing now. It's amazing, and I, I think Mutt Lang is easily the best producer that ever worked with ACDC, and I like when music's on that edge, you know, that's where you make the myths, it's like the Beatles, you know, uh, and I love, High and Dry is my favorite Def Leppard album, I think it's a masterpiece, Pyromaniac mm-hmm. is damn close, and I love that album too, I love those productions, it's not until, yeah, hyster- me too. Me too. It's not until Hysteria and later that he starts to get too slick. And he lost his edge as a producer, Mutt Lang. But in the early '80s, I thought he was—he per- created these perfect productions. That, yeah. like, this production is a perfect production. It's slick, yeah. but it's heavy. And he it's- knew how to pull out the essence of the emotion of each song, no matter what it is, whether it's the vocal, whether it's just like a good tempo, whether it's the sound of the guitar. I mean, yeah. sound—you know—it it, everything's crafted really well in each song piece. I think. Yeah, it's sonically powerful. That's all I can yeah. say. It, it, yeah. you, in some ways, there are moments, and there's one song in particular when we get to it, I'll talk about it, but to a degree, you can say that about all these songs, that if you really crank this, especially if you crank the vinyl of this, but if you crank any version of this, I, I don't care how heavy or dark you can get. You can be like black metal, death metal. There are moments on this album, sonically, that I feel are heavier than anything you could record in terms of sonic pure electric sonic power it's like yeah per- it's perfect you know what I, I mean? agree we'll get when we get to those moments we'll see if we're thinking the same moments yeah it's just like it's such a concentrated 
heaviness that it's like you could only be less heavy in a way. But, uh, <laughs> but we'll talk, uh, yeah. But, <laughs> And I mean, there's fucking cannons on it. <laughs> oh, I got a story about the cannons for when we talk about that song. Well, you know what? Let's fucking get into it then. Good. Okay, so Hampton, woo! We're good since you're our guest. <laughs> hey, good player right there. <laughs> love you. Love you. Okay, well, we're gonna start this off with the obviously the most known track from this album, the title track. For those about to rock, in parentheses, we salute you. Just one interesting nerdy tidbit. Uh, this is kind of a title track because there is a slight difference in the album title and the uh, song title. The album title doesn't have parentheses. The album title is just all the way straight. For those about to rock, we salute you. And the song itself puts in parentheses. So slightly different. There yeah. you go. I think you do parentheses look good on an album cover? I don't want one. Well, obviously, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, the album cover itself just only says for those about to rock, and then right, it's, you open it up, the gatefold, and it says "We salute you." On the CD, it was just Wait. on the back. Yeah. Oh, I don't have that. I have the vinyl. It doesn't have that. You open it the up. Box- it's just the, oh, it's on the back. It says "We salute you." There it is. Oh yeah, that's right. It is in the back, and then the gatefold's just the picture, that awesome concert picture. Yeah, that front row shot of the guys rocking. Amazing. Probably the greatest ACDC picture ever is that gatefold. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. So for those about to rock, we salute you. Uh, the title track, the first track on the album. Uh, Hampton, tell us about it. What do you think? Oh, okay. First of all, I mean, what what can you say that hasn't been thought about this song for any ACDC fan? I mean, it's it, it's a fantastic anthem. It's a rock anthem. I mean, I I still love it. Whenever I hear it, I don't turn it off. It gets my blood going. I mean, I love the stop and starts on it. I think it's a perfectly built rock anthem. Um, I mean, it's fantastic. I love what they're all about. They're just talking about, hey, we are, we're going to rock you. And thank you for rocking. Although what I can't figure out is, are they saying we are going to rock you? Because I think it's their version of we will rock you. <laughs> of Queen's we will rock you, really. They're like, we're going to do it to you. Thanks for being a part of it. I disagree. No, Sorry. okay. No, no, no. You, 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 got, you got it wrong. You're close. Yeah. It, it's an anthem. You're right about that. It's a perfect. Well, it's, it, it, no, you're wrong about the point of view, though. And this is the difference. This is why ACDC are not fascist scumbags like Queen. Okay, <laughs> Queen, it's all about them. We're gonna rock you. ACDC saying it's you for those about to rock. Anyone is a fucking rock star at ACDC. You Hampton, when you go sing with you know, your Black Sabbath tribute band, for you, for Eric, when he's going crying. At his Christmas metal concert. That's <laughs> fucking rock and roll. If you just had a good day at work and you're fucking awesome and you tap your fist with the, you know, your buddy, that's you're fucking awesome. Hey, if you're just some cool guy that got to sleep with some girl who's out of your league, hey, fucking shoot the cannons for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. People that rock. It's for you that rock. It's yeah. not about the band, it's about yeah, right. you. It's about the fans. It's about, hey, you you made us fucking number one. You brought you stuck with us even after our awesome singer died and we came back and back and black and you had our back. So fucking you rock. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Damn right. I, 
I know you, you'd think so, but I think. We're, <laughs> so you're gonna argue this point, Hampton? Yeah, you know, there, there, that there, guy. There is, there is. Like we're we're here to we're the dealers. We'll give you everything you need. I mean, yeah, that's they're the setup. That's but the they're setup. but they're grateful. They're, they're not, not like they're, they're not. not wait, sorry, hold on, hold on. They're not saying they don't rock too. <laughs> of course, the fucking ACDC. Right. <laughs> but I think the ultimate message is that you're rocking. That's why they do it at the end of concerts. It's like, yeah. Now you go out there and you fucking rock. We showed you how to do it for the past three hours. Now you yeah. do it. And we do it, and we're and we're slow clapping you, we're patting you on your butt, say, go do it, rock, join yeah. in the fun, join in the fun. Yeah, I, and I don't think Queen has that message. I don't no, think I mean, it's the, it's the same kind of, I mean, not the same, but that's what I got first listen from today. I'm like, what is this song really about? Like, oh, uh, it's the We Will Rock It. But it's yeah. with more gratitude. Yeah, and... and, and yeah, and it's, it's not just hand clapping in a admittedly no, guitar No, song. no, I didn't mean it's sonically the same song. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Every hand claps a cannon. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give him credit. He's good guitar. Yeah. Uh, no, he's no Young Brothers. So. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guitarist when there's 18 versions of him playing at the same time. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, yeah, anyway, people do love that hand clap and shit, though. And yeah. you know what I love about for those about to rock these silly you, you you couldn't do this song with just hand clapping. <laughs> <laughs> no. Mary, you wouldn't you, know what song it was. Can you imagine just cannons, though, and nothing else? Maybe if you had cannons, <laughs> but I would think involving cannons is a little more extravagant than just hand clapping. <laughs> it is. It is. You might want a producer's hand on that one. It might be bad. <laughs> I wish, you know, I I don't know. You know, because ACDC, they're like the fucking mafia. They're the Australian mafia. <laughs> they don't talk too much about their songs and how they do things. They're like, hey, no. don't ask. Mind your own business. <laughs> no, dude, they got tight lips. They have tight lips. I'll start off right at the top. I try to find so many information on these guys. They'll never be a storyteller. With no, <laughs> no and, it, and should you do it, you can't understand what they're saying anyway. Brian Johnson, I think, would like to, but he's contractually obligated. He's got like a, what, what do you call those disclosure documents you got to fill out? What's that? Oh, a non, a non, NSD, yeah. non-disclosure yeah. agreement. Got some, yeah, I'm sure he filled something like that out back in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. He, he's, he's a hired man. You know, yeah. he's like, he really can't, is. can't talk about the band. All you gotta say is, yeah, we're awesome and we love the fans. That's all you yeah. can do. <laughs> United, United Front. United Front. That's all you got. Yeah, yeah. It, it's real Willy Wonka shit going on face it easy. You don't yeah, know yeah. what's happening behind the closed doors. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the reason why I'm saying is because of this, we don't know the story about who was the first person that said, hey, cannons, let's do it. I guess, was it Mutt Lang? Who, who yeah, do I don't. Don't know, don't know. <laughs> Every I, fucking fan, you know every fucking thing about them. But ACDC, they're still mysterious. You don't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> I can appreciate that, though. I mean, it's it's pretty unique these days to have a band where you don't really know much about. You know? I, I would guess it's Mutt Lang. What do you think? I would guess Mutt Lang was the guy that said cannons, I would think. I don't, I don't know. I... Was he a cannon guy? Yeah, <laughs> I don't well, he was know. a big production guy. Yeah. Was there cannons, though, in any other of his production work? Like, no. did you hear cannons in Def Leppard? Did you hear cannons in Horner? Did you hear cannons in Shania Twain? Like, no. 
Yeah, I, I kind of feel like it was the Young Brothers, yeah, and he ma- yeah. and he made it happen. Yeah, I could kind of see them. I could kind of see them maybe making a joke about it, and then yeah. Mutt Lang's like, "Yeah, let's do it," and they're like, "Really?" It's like, <laughs> "Could you actually bring in cannons, bloody cannons, mate?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I can make it happen." <laughs> yeah, and then we're about to. Yeah. We're about to create and record the biggest set closer of all time. So let's do this. But they go. did already have the bell. That's the thing. So yeah, that's the opening. Fun. Yeah, they, they had, had the opening and the closing. They had a precedent with bringing something big and metallic into. I, I don't think there were actual cannons brought into the studio. I don't think they did that. They recorded the cannon someplace else and then overlaid that's ri- it. That's ridiculous. Are you calling them phony bo- <laughs> artists? They didn't record cannons in the studio? I think there's like, uh, like, fire, like laws against that. It's like no. a fire hazard. It's worse than a, uh, a, you know, a great white concert. You know? No, oh. rock. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have cannons in an enclosed space, especially an old-timey revolutionary war cannon. Yeah. <laughs> But I think, wait, didn't they record this in France? I think I read that. Maybe there's other laws over there. Yeah, I, mean, I think they went out back. Yeah, yeah, I think they went out back probably. That's the story I'm going to go with for my I, I heard ACDC, they, they fired those cans off in the recording studio in France, and uh, the French surrendered. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, oops. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's throughout uh, France, they have those old-timey cannons all, all around. They're just there. And, you know, people just, they just hang out, eat croissants around them. Yeah, I, you know, that could have been a visual, like, uh, a, a moment of, hey, cannons. Yes, yeah, they're just like, they're just here. We might as well use one of them. And yeah. they and because it's the French, they've never actually been fired before. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, they never use them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> a nice French diss. You don't get enough of those these days. Hey, I love the French. I'm not like Ian Wadley. My fa- one of my favorite filmmakers, Sean Lee Cadard. I love the French. I kid the French. Anyway, so for those about rock, what do you think of the ultimate cat? Obviously, the ultimate rock and metal anthem involving cannons. What do you think of this song? <laughs> Are you talking to me? Yeah, you, Eric. <laughs> you didn't Do say Eric, so I'm like, oh shit, who's he talking to? Oh, it's all good. Yeah. Um. Uh, for those about to rock, man, we rock at dawn on the front line like a bolt right out of the blue. The sky's light with the guitar fight. Hands will roll and rock tonight. I fucking love this song. Yeah. Never get sick of it, man. For, for those about, you're right, Edwin. Yeah, fuck, fuck Queen. We will rock <laughs> you, fucking elitist assholes. No, ACDC is like, no, for those about to rock, we salute you. And it's like, yeah. And holy shit, those cans are awesome. Uh, I remember the first time I heard this song, the cannons like actually like scared me because I didn't expect <laughs> that shit. You know, those about to rock fire, and I hear boom, and I'm like, what the fuck was that? What the? Who's <laughs> outside? But, oh my yeah. god, it was just like uh, you know those cannons get me fired up, man. I love hearing the cannons. I love cranking it up and just hearing the explosions. If you go to a Columbus Blue Jackets game, that's right, I'm a hockey fan. Uh, for the five Columbus Blue Jacket fans that exist, if you go to one of their games or watch one on TV, they do play this song and fire an actual cannon in the arena when they score a goal, which isn't very often, so it's pretty awesome when <laughs> it does happen. But, yeah. man, I fucking love this song, man. It just gets me pumped up. Uh, and speaking of, like, crying at, like, concerts, our, our good friend Dr. <laughs> Fuck told a story about how this song legit made him cry. Yeah, I could see wow. that. He always talks about uh, when it gets when it picks up at the end. 
There's yeah, something yeah. about that. And that's my favorite part of the song. I mean, I, I love, love it, man. It just feels I, good. Yeah, I get it. I, get, I never really cried, yeah. but I do feel emotional at the yeah. end. So well, I this get song's got a really it. nice journey to it. It's really yeah. well written, you know? It's a song yeah. for the fans, about the fans, you know, just... Uh, it's a fucking anthem, dude. It's like the fucking national anthem of heavy metal and hard rock fans. I love it, man. Never get sick of it. And even Gene Simmons, I think, said in an interview that you know this is like the perfect like hard rock song. And I'm not honestly gonna argue with him on that, man. That song's fucking perfect. I fucking love it. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, look, you know that it it's one of the greatest songs ever written. This should, I yeah. think if this was the anthem for every country. We, we'd be too busy rocking to be fighting. There wouldn't yep. be wars. Ironically, the, the song with the cannons would make people not want to have wars. Yeah, <laughs> this, this, this could be a universal peace song. If enough yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's when to change. Yeah. Fuck that whistling bullshit. <laughs> this makes everyone want to fucking high five and be awesome together. But yeah. yet, this, but yet, this is the interesting thing about this song. It's dark. It's got a dark sound. me. It's yeah, there's doomy. a doomy. Yeah, it's like yeah. starts off, you know, most of the songs mid tempo, mm-hmm. and it's you know the way it creeps in in the beginning, which actually I don't know it's I don't know if it's the end or the beginning I love most. I, I really love that beginning. You know, the finger tapping that Angus is doing. It reminds me of a kind of more futuristic version of Gimme Shelter, the Rolling Stones' Gimme Shelter, which o- opens All up right. let, let It Bleed. So it likewise is an album opening, and. Yeah. And they, you know, it builds up, and you know, and then when Malcolm's rhythm comes in, you know, Angus is in one speaker, Malcolm's in the other, and that build up, and then oh man, it's just it's very powerful, sonically very powerful. And this is one other thing that bothers me when people talk about ACDC, they kind of act like oh, like ACDC, like after their the maybe the first or second album, they kind of got the sound and all their albums sound alike. It's such horseshit. Uh, yeah, obviously, at a certain point, their albums start to sound similar. Once they were like middle-aged guys and they got it down. But I'm sorry, I, I feel like throughout all the '70s and actually all of the '80s, they were constantly evolving and changing their sounds. And I would say, with the biggest leap being from late '70s to early '80s, I would say, I mean, just listen to like High Voltage, the songs on High Voltage. Compared to the stuff like this, for those about to rock, I mean, it's a totally different band. And I wouldn't even go as far to say, like, you wouldn't hear a song like this on Highway to Hell, even, with Butt Lang producing it. Like, they even progressed a lot from 79 to 81. So much more finger tapping going on. And yeah. even in Hampton, you mentioned, like, the, the structure, the way the songs arrange and structure and the different parts. They, yeah. You could obviously hear that the band had evolved a lot musically. And oh, also yeah. the songwriters and in the production. And yeah, I mean, this is a major leap. To me, this is as much of a leap from high voltage as like, uh, as like uh, Dark Side of the Moon is from, you know, Pipers at the Gates of Dawn. Like, it's just, this is a pretty big leap. This is a new band. This is a different band than mid 70s ACDC, in my opinion. And and there were variations throughout the 80s of their sound, although I think this is like the last major leap in their oh, song. I, I agree. I, I would have to agree. I mean, this this song is, there's a lot of chances taken in this song, and it pays off in every way. It's a, it's a beautiful, perfect rock song. 
And yeah. you can hear it the way it's structured. It's not like they weren't doing this on album three and four. They really, really progressed. And I think you really have to spend time with the band's discography to really hear a progression. You yeah. know, you can easily be on the outside and say, yeah, it's all the same. But it, it, it really isn't. I mean, come on. Yeah. And, and Brian Johnson's vocals. Wow. Yeah. This, I mean, I do think there was a period, I would say from 80 to 83, you know, from back and back to flick of the switch, where he's arguably the strongest, not just rock, but I'd say metal singer. His pipes are fucking crazy. They're savage. And yeah, yeah there's, uh, I mean, just hear some of those notes he's hitting, but with the grittiness, the bluesy grittiness, but with that shrieking metal quality, you know, yeah. and he, you know, obviously, I think largely because of Flick of the Switch and maybe to lesser degree Fly on the Wall, after those two albums, he kind of blew out his vocals, you know, because yeah. he's yeah. screaming so much on those albums and on those tours that by the time Blow Up Your Video came around, you could hear that, yeah, he wasn't vocally in the same shape anymore. And he, in later years, has found a lot of really interesting ways to sing, and he sings more like a soul singer now, and I think his vocals are great, especially on the last album. But he, I would say, really Fly on the Wall's last album where you hear, like, kind of heavy metal Brian Johnson, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. yeah. yeah and, but, man, that, for that fleeting moment, woo! He was one of the most powerful singers, and also a performer. If you see him live, running around with... This is the one thing, too. I, I This is why I would say they're neck and neck, him and Bond. I give Bond the win as a lyricist. Brian and Bond, both at their vocal peaks. I get Bond was towards the end, Highway to Hell, you know, was his vocal peak. And uh, if you want blood, you got it. Um, live album. I would compare that to Brian's vocal peak in the early 80s. But live, so they're tied there. But live, if you actually watch their performances, and hey, Bond was amazing live. So this is mm -hmm. no disrespect to Bond. But if you watch Brian Johnson in the early 80s, I give him the edge. I think he was a better frontman. He, if you look at him, the way he moves around the stage, he moves more than Bond. Bond actually kind of steps aside and let Angus do a lot of the heavy lifting visually. He would go up there, he'd sing. He was cool. He seemed like a cool motherfucker. He yeah, had an authentic yeah. quality. He had charisma. I mean, you watch had, that dude. Yeah. He had charisma. He had that charisma. And he, but he wasn't really doing as much showman-wise, as Brian does. If you watch Brian, he's running around that stage, he's playing with his flat cap, he's, you know, he's trading off the audience, yeah. he's swinging from Hell's Bells, you know. He's <laughs> he's doing a little bit more. I, he's clenching his fist a lot. You know, he's just, I feel like he, he live, visually, was a str even, even stronger performer than Bon Scott. So yeah. uh, I think he, I think he did give him an edge, uh, even going into the early '80s, where he was a little more visual. There's something really powerful, especially I think the ACDC to me peaked with the live at the Bell and Cannon tour. You watch those yeah. one Landover concert, foot, you know, clips when they're doing like the next song. So this will be the segue into "Put the Finger in You." Watch those clips of them doing "Put the Finger in You" live from '81 Landover. Right, okay. haven't it's, seen. Yeah, uh, you, you fucking, you haven't seen that Hampton. Wait, Probably have I? From eight, which year? Ninety two? Which which year? Eighty one. Eighty one. Bell and Cannon. Yeah, I must. I must have. It's I, I been a while ago. Every like three months. You got no, it. I must have. I'm yeah, getting I'll, old, man. Forget all this. I get. You're going see now. I'll yeah. send it to you so you can. Yeah, see all right, it. all right. Okay. <laughs> to me, that's PKCDC. Visually, sonically, 
live. I mean, listen to this is how they sound. Even when they do the Bon Scott stuff, like TNT, if you ever saw that clip of them doing TNT from that tour, they yeah. are so heavy and powerful and still on fire. Angus is on fire. And Brian, it's like you could just see these guys. They're fucking in the pocket. And yeah. as, as awesome as they were a fun on the Highway of Hell tour, which is really fucking awesome. Let There Be Rock, you know, that movie. Amazing. Uh, it's one of the greatest, you know, concert foot movies you'll ever see. But I tell you, I feel the, I feel Bone Cannon is even next level. To me, that's, that's their peak. When I'm yeah. just watching clips, I wasn't there. I was too young to see them live, but at that period, but from watching the clips live, that's their peak. What, what do you think of that, Eric, before we get into the next song? I, I actually, I, I'm with Michael Hampton. I've not seen that. I have not. I don't I have not, man. Aren't we in the same Facebook group? <laughs> we are. We are. You got to post it. I will watch it. I, I will post it. Well, you you got to post it. Oh, yeah, and by the way, before before we go into Put the Finger on You, I just remembered, too, there's a story my coworker told me about when we were doing snow removal. The arena that I saw TSO in, ACDC played, uh, played there on this tour his uncle or someone went to see that show. I guess when they played the song, they had actual cannons on stage that they fired. The cannons were, like, so loud and so powerful, they actually cracked, like, uh, the concrete in, like, the the ceiling or the wall of the this arena, the Allen County War uh, Memorial in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Jesus. And because of that, ACDC was, like, banned from, like, Fort Wayne, Indiana for that. So a little little fun fact right there. God, That's awesome. thousands of eardrums too, probably. Jesus, oh my you're God, breaking yeah. walls. I mean, you got to warn people sometimes. Yeah, well, his uncle said it was the best show you ever saw, man. That, that's surprising. Yeah, that's, you know, going back awesome. to go, going back to the front man, I will say Brian brings fun, and not that Bon Scott wasn't. I think he was more dangerous i feel i was never there for that time but i think with the bond era there's definitely more danger where yeah. brian brought the fun almost entertainer well entertainer. yeah that's I yeah bomb was more authentic and did have a dangerous edge that brian didn't brian did have a little bit of a meaner rough working class edge in the early 80s that yeah he, that he kind of lost over the years yeah uh, but he but he was never quite as big, but he was a little more of an entertainer. He Bob. was kind of your buddy who was up there. You're like, oh, yeah. yeah, look at you on stage. Let's but, do this. Yeah, and but Bob, now, you're like, now, oh, God. now he's kind of like your buddy that you'd sit and have a drink with like down in Florida and then maybe yeah. go and go fishing with. Where back in the early 80s, he's more kind of like your tough buddy you'd have a pint with and then you might beat up someone with. Afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's gotten older, man. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. He's gotten older. It's understandable. But I was just saying that, that, you know, there's this feeling that Brian is, ah, oh, he's just that affable guy. But in the early 80s, yeah, he had more, especially if you watch those old clips, and I'll show you guys the clips I'm talking about. He had a little, he had more of a mean, he had more of a mean edge to it. Yeah. You know, you can even hear it vocally. Like, listen to, like, what do you do for money, honey? And, and some, and, like, inject the venom and stuff like that. Like, he, yeah. he, had, he had bite. He had the, well, he's he, still, yeah, he's a demon. I mean, he's calling up some demons on somebody's Well, yeah, he was, so, yeah. Rec he was recently divorced. He yeah. had hit some hard times. You know, he, you know, he was bringing some of that shit to it. Just like Bon Scott had just a few years prior, you know, who had also was working class and, had a divorce and hit some hard times. Like they, they had a lot. There's a lot of interesting parallels between Bond and Brian. 
But uh, so Brian, amazing. Put the finger on you. One of the greatest ACDC songs of all time. It's a credit to this album. That's my fourth favorite song on the album uh, because it, this song's so amazing. It's probably one of the more up tempo songs. It kind of does that thing that like Shoot to Thrill does as the second track. You know, you got the mid tempo track awesome kind of song in the beginning like hell's bells and for those about the rock you know and then you got the straightforward fun fast rock and fun song but you got the finger tapping throughout and it's it's again this is like another song that you wouldn't even heard this just two albums prior like this is definitely a more modern sounding futuristic kind of acdc that you never quite really heard ever ever again. Maybe a little bit on Blow Up Your Video, but not obviously as strong and heavy and on fire as this. But I love it. You got the big, loud, coarse, gang vocals, very... That's the Mutt Lang. You can hear the Mutt Lang kind of Def Leppard kind of thing here. And But he was doing that here first, you know. I think he... This, these albums came out at, uh, close, but uh, for those about the rock, was before High and Dry. High and Dry was the subsequent album he knocked out after for those about to rock so a lot of that a lot of that stuff that he brought to Def Leppard he worked out and kind of did with ACDC first you know and even then he made Joe Elliott sing like Brian Johnson he wasn't singing like Brian Johnson on the first Def Leppard album listen yep. to his vocals and, and then suddenly so, let yeah so different you know so obviously and it's a credit to Joe Elliott that at such a young age he was able to actually do that like you know yeah. like, like hey sing like this guy and he fucking did it yeah he pretty much blew his vocals out too didn't he oh yeah, yeah. maybe that was the wrong approach Mutt yeah, yeah. but hey singers. for a couple years there yeah it's up there man he was amazing yeah. and but you can see in a lot of ways for those about to rock from a sonic standpoint and I would even say from a songwriting standpoint, kind of foreshadows high and dry more than flick of the switch, you know. And you could see that Mutt Lang is experimenting and doing stuff as a producer. And maybe a little too much for ACDC's taste, which is why they decided to, you know, strip it back for the next album. But yeah, Put the Finger on You's amazing song. It's fucking heavy as fuck, but yet really catchy and fun and sexy and I fucking love it and it should have stayed in the set list they only had it in the set list for this tour but man it's it, I, people would love it if they played this fucking song they should play it what do you think of Put the Finger on You Hampton oh Put the Finger on Hampton uh, <laughs> I, I will say go, uh, just going backwards real quick for uh, those about to rock obviously my number one favorite song on the album I'll say that I don't going think to, that's obvious, Hanson. No, uh, it's obvious <laughs> for me. I, I, it's, it's obvious for me. It is a I, great song, though. Yeah. No, it, it has to be. It's, anyway, that's my number one. Going to put your finger on you. My <laughs> least my least favorite song on the album. What? So, your least yeah, favorite? It's my least favorite. I will say before I, you know, tear the song apart, I don't have much to say negative. But going back through this album, which I love so much, doing another spin today, this is the song that just... It doesn't, it, it catches me the least. It has the least to say to me of all the songs. So, and I always felt that, li you know, throughout the years when I listened to it. And I, and I thought maybe this is why this album has not as huge of a reputation as Back in Black because of, of the dip in quality right here. And it, it still is. And again, it's not a bad song, but it's, it, it's, my, it's my least favorite. I think it's just a very mid uninteresting tune and 
uh, you know, it still rocks. I'm not going to skip it. But and I realize in album placement, it's a good palate cleanser after the after the mighty for those about to rock, and it fits. However, it I don't I don't know it it, it it's really the only song on the album that's like eh, all right it's here I get it they got their ten songs I understand why it's here it, it sounds to me like it was probably their last song recorded for this album just to kind of fill it up and I think I think the lyrics are a little weird <laughs> they're about like a magic finger and I realize uh, I realize uh, like, uh, no. okay. I'm gonna explain a lot of things to you, Hampton. Well, <laughs> let me go on. No, no, no I, I get, I get it. What you know, it's like you know, it's got the finger on the lady. Here I come and all that stuff. But like <laughs> the the the, the lyrics, they're not, they're not, they don't do it for me. Like they're kind of what when I when I saw the lyrics and was dissecting them, it's, it's what Bon did successfully. Brian tried to do here unsuccessfully. As far as, you know, some tongue-in-cheek wordplay. And it it just doesn't work for me. It's still a good song. Uh, But it's again, has the least amount of interest for me in the entire album. Okay, uh, well, obviously you're wrong and you're tripping. But anyway, (laughs) but but, but, but people have different opinions, and it's good to have... I mean, hey, it's nice to know it's not going to be 100% gush fest. That but, is, is pretty much it. I'll tell you, when I send you this live clip, though, I think you're going to rephrase the song. I'm just telling you. It's going to okay. bring out elements of this ass-kicking tune. And I just, I like the wordplay. It's fun. Uh, and maybe not on Bon Scott level, but still better than 90% of rock and metal lyrics, I think. It really, it's still really great. And, you know, but hey, I already talked about it. I want to yeah. hear what Eric Jordan no, has look, to yeah. say. First of hey. all, look, it's not, I'm not shitting on the song. I just, it just happened to come up next as my least favorite. <laughs> hey, one of this got to be your least favorite. I yeah, there it is. You're so wrong. Eric, <laughs> no, what, no. what do you think? <laughs> oh, man, I fucking love Put the Finger on I, I don't like to put the finger on you guys, but I love the song Put the Finger on You. This song fucking rules, man. This, oh, it just gets me so amped up. Just makes me want to go around and just freaking, you know, you know, kick... <laughs> kick babies in the balls and fight people it's just so fucking awesome you know and i'm not a violent person but it just gives me this energy man and yeah it's a it's a sexy song man put the finger on you you know there's this girl i hooked up with one time lisa lehman and uh you know her telling me to give her the the come here finger if you if you know what i mean um yeah i fucking love it it's a sexy song yeah really not up to you know Bon Scott level like innuendos, uh, but still very very good job on Brian Johnson's part, and it's a fucking fun song, you know. For those about to rock, you start off with the anthem that's more mid tempo, and you start off with the fun party time song. I love put the finger on you. It's awesome, and I like the visual of you kicking babies in the balls. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, that that makes me rethink this entire song. Very <laughs> I didn't know we're kicking babies here. Very small. I yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to kick baby's balls. They're very small. Some things <laughs> like, like dropped yet too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one thing we can agree: we're not putting fingers on babies, right? That's not what we're here for. My, my co-host is not a pervert. <laughs> kicking the baby's balls. It's not like kicking. <laughs> no, that would be wrong. That, uh, yeah, right. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, here's another song that I don't know what's about, Michael Hampton. Maybe you can tell me. Uh, uh, let's <laughs> catch up. <laughs> what's this song about? It, well, it's not about a magic finger. 
Uh, I, I don't know what uh, what song is this. Are they erecting a Christmas tree? Oh, see this song. <laughs> this song is badass. This, I mean, the right, right, this song just gets it going. I mean, this was the other single I think off the album. And, yeah. This is definitely one of the, the first single. Oh, all right. Yeah, and all actually, right. Yeah. it was. Believe it or not, yeah, it, this was the lead off single for those about to rock. The title track was the second song, single. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this song is cool. It's just about like, hey, it's about to happen. You know, it, it's going down. <laughs> we, you know, we're doing it. Like, there's no, there's no secrets here. What this one's about, and it just rocks. The groove is cool. Um, it's got that sexy groove that kind of like hooks you in, and like you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm with a lady. <laughs> we're, we're we're doing it. You know, don't don't waste no time. No loosey goosey. We're getting it. We're getting right to it. We're smacking it down. That's yeah. what the song. That's what the song is about. And he's a pirate, I think. But, I, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this song is is awesome. Good song. Really right. good song. Uh, this is my least favorite song on the album. No, hey, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, but unlike Hampton, I'm not going to shit on it. It's still awesome. I love it. <laughs> it's just one of these songs has to be my least favorite. Right, so, right. So it's just uh, it's a song for whatever reason. I can hear why it's a single. I think it should still be a single. People should hear it on the radio. It's catchy. Uh, I think there's a couple other tunes that are pretty catchy on this album as well. Uh, but, you know, that could have also been singles. Uh, but this one, I, I get this one. It reminds me a little, it's a little You Shook Me All Night Longish, but also a little like uh, the Rolling Stones' uh, Start Me Up. You know, that the opening guitar riff to me reminds me a little of that. And it's kind of Stonesy, and obviously Stones were an influence on ACDC. This is definitely the poppiest song on the album, yeah. and it, it's catchy. It's like you know, this is a catchy, fun, bluesy pop rock song. Not as tonally different because even "Put the Finger on You," which is kind of fun too, has a little bit of a, a little bit of a nasty bite to it. That I would say, "Let's get it up" doesn't. "Let's get it up" sounds the most like it kind of tonally could have been on "Back in Black" or "Highway to Hell" to me doesn't have the darkness of the rest of this album which is probably why it's my least favorite I, when i'm thinking about it and saying that out loud yeah that's probably why it's my least favorite but it's still a really great song i mean it's still better than all the songs on like the razor's edge you know yeah. So, so, so so yeah but it is but it's my least favorite what do you what do you think of it eric uh, i fucking love let's get it up i, I love the song um i i think he is talking about erecting a Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's a, I like the song. It's uh, definitely I could hear why it was a single. It's very poppy. Uh, definitely has some mainstream appeal. Uh, yeah, you don't really hear the song that much on radio. Uh, I think it's a great little, great little tune. Uh, another mid-tempo one, and uh, pretty, pretty much we got like three, three sexual innuendo songs like in a row here. Because um, we got you know obviously. Uh, yeah, we got this one, and then we got uh, Inject the Venom, which could easily be a sexual innuendo as well. Um, Edwin, what do you think of Inject the Venom? God damn! <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. God damn! God Sounds damn. like you just injected the Venom right now. Yeah, man, this is one of the songs that I was talking about when I was talking about Sonic Power. When the bam, 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 bam. Silence. Silence. Then it comes back. Bam, 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 bam. It's just so fucking heavy. This is like, this is like Sabbath shit, you know. But sonically, it's like Mutt Lang. He can make it so fucking heavy sounding, but yet it's like, it's like a, it's just like this is fucking heavy metal. 
it has a bluesy quality to it but in a very modern metal kind of way you know and i know acdc themselves like kind of like you know they don't like like motorhead they like to call themselves rock and roll acdc really didn't like being called heavy metal but i'm sorry in 81 this is fucking heavy metal this damn is, right yeah this yeah. is heavy yeah, just stank on this one, yeah. You can't get heavier in this. And even just inject the venom, you know, in the way Brian's screaming, inject the venom. I mean, cool. this, this is like, you know, Judas Priest could have done this song. A lot of, you know, metal bands could have done Early Metallica. I can hear this being on Kill em All in a slightly different way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, well, they had stuff like Jump in the yeah, Fire. Yeah, but Dave, but Dave Mustaine wrote this song, yeah, so it could have I mean. been. That's what I mean. Like, it has that kind of Dave Mustaine error. Metallica sound to it, you know? It's just silly, heavy, and mean, and dark, and Brian really sounds fucking possessed on it. And it's tough. I mean, I have a clear-cut favorite song on this album, and it's my favorite Brian Johnson sung ACDC song, Uh, but... I tell you, my second, third, and fourth songs are all kind of battling it out, you know, and this is one of them. Like, uh, I might put it in the fourth position, but it's a really strong fourth position, you know? It's 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 an amazing song. God damn, I love Injective Venom. It's one of the greatest fucking songs ever written, yeah. and it's a fucking, it's fucking, this is what it's about. If you're, if you say you love heavy metal and you don't like this song, you're a fucking poser. You're just some fucking cosplaying <laughs> fucking guy that like needs to get out of your fucking basement and and <laughs> no, or not real, cook a hot pocket on your yeah, own. yeah. go sing money talks yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, let's fucking inject that man up. What do you think of it, Eric? Oh man, I fucking love inject the van. This song rules. Uh, this is one of the one of the deep cuts from the album that really made me like you know get into this one. Just it's like you said, man. It's just so fucking metal, dude. Uh, you know, and you got all these you know ACDC themselves and all these fans that the Monday morning quarterbacks like, oh, they're a rock. It's like you know, yeah, they may be rock nowadays and the stuff they put out nowadays is rock, but man, fucking 1981, this shit was fucking American heavy fucking metal. You know, like my like my boy Bill Wang always says, this song is just fucking amazing, just so vicious. There's just such a, you know, Brian Jones just has this bite and this snarl and this, you know, like this, his voice is like venomous, you know? It's just a cool song, it's just badass, and so far, I mean, Side A is just kicking so much fucking ass. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Inject the Venom, Michael? Oh, I gotta agree. I'm right there with you guys. The song, this is where the, the real darkness of the album starts. And I fucking love the song. Um, like, I love when he just starts off. His, oh, his voice just gets me every time. I mean, this is when he just takes me on a dark journey when he, no mercy for the bad if they want. You, you know, you know the song. And I love, <laughs> I, I love, uh, Ed, when you mentioned like the, the playoff, it's not so much a, a call and response, but it's where the guitars pump in and then boom, and then just vocals. And then, uh, gets back in and then focus. I love that. That, that, that brings me in. That's such a nice tease. And, and the song just rocks. You and know it, where they, they got right. that from? They inspired by Elvis. Uh, and the Young Brothers are big Elvis oh. fans. And like the song Trouble. You can yeah. hear Trouble in this, you know? Yeah. If you listen oh, to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. yeah. And it's, and that was about him being evil. I'm evil, you know? And you could also, but then you hear that influence later on, like the first Danzig album too. It's kind of like, 
It's right in the middle. Somewhere between Elvis and Danzig is Inject the Venom. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, what else were you going to say about it, though? Oh, well, I, was gonna, um, I think this song is like, it's not so much like injecting your, like Brian's about to drop a lo- another load. I'm pretty, I think this song, <laughs> to me, is about like an evil woman. I think this is where the scorn really starts taking yeah. I think like, it's it, about. It, I think it's about a hate fuck. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah something like that. Like, that. Uh, but it's from the woman is the one who's who's coming at you to inject the venom. Like, that's what I think. But no, I think Ooh, I want to be injected by a woman. I think yeah. this evil one. This evil woman shows up a lot also in the second side of the album. <laughs> yes, yes. So this, I kind of want to meet her. Yeah. Yes, there's this sexy evil green-eyed lady yes. that 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 Brian's gonna inject his venom into to kind of get back at her because she's bad. There's no mercy for you because she's like a cheating woman, and and he's gonna give it to her. That's why. That, that's my interpretation of lyrics. I'm not I like that interpretation better than the strap-on lady that Michael's uh, talking about. Yeah, oh. yeah. No, Brian's definitely doing the injecting, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. This, this is hey, AC. He's not Sammy Hagar. He's not, not taking it. He's giving it's not, it. It's not Judas Priest. This is ACTV. <laughs> no, but there's... And that's a false due respect. I love the metal god. Yeah. Well, there's there's yeah. evil women in the world, and he's, he's feeling that. You know, but he gets a back. He's Brian Johnson's throwing it back at the evil woman. But the the poison woman is strong too. She's she's she's, strong. She's scratching like a cat. Oh oh, yeah, she's fighting back. She's like the point we're we're making here is Brian Johnson is not taking any venom. He's giving it. Brian Johnson. He does not play butt darts. He's not receiving. I don't know. I think I think it's all right for a man to He's say a, the, the I'm taking the woman's poison. It's I, too much. I, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying there's something wrong with it. I'm just saying that Brian Johnson, that ain't his bag, right? He's an old school Newcastle football playing kind of guy. He's fucking. <laughs> he's doing the injecting. I mean, you <laughs> could say that. it only. You <laughs> could say that. <laughs> anyway. Hey, I love, I love Rob Halford. He's no. fucking breaking his jaw on some guy's big cock. <laughs> he wrote a song about it, and I think that's awesome. That's like the yeah. inject the venom. But it's different strokes, different folks. That's yeah. just his thing. I don't kink shame. You know, that's his thing. But Brian Johnson, that's not his thing. He ain't jaw breaking. He's injecting. He's injecting the venom. <laughs> An evil witch woman. She's getting her fucking jaw broken. I that's think he, he's admitting is. she's too much. She's too much. I, 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 what, yeah, well, that does eventually happen. Many years yeah. later with the song Ball Breaker. Yeah. <laughs> what? ACDC also, I gotta point out, they were right, a lot of fucking songs about balls. Yeah. A lot of balls. There's some balls, balls in one of these songs. ACDC I mean, the Ball Breaker is an album that recalls a lot of this album a lot. It's darker, it's bluesy, it's kind of mean, it's kind of dirty. Um, and Ball Breaker, it's because like, he's in his 50s by that point, so he's like, yeah, okay, finally, this evil woman's breaking my balls. I can't, yeah. I'm having a problem keeping up. But not, but not 1981 Brian Johnson. <laughs> Those balls are unbroken. <laughs> I don't know. Unbreakable. 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 In my opinion. It was a good conversation, though. But we got to move Let's on. Let's lead us, Let's move on. into Snowball. <laughs> Another ball song by ACP. Perfect segment. <laughs> concept album. Blue Ball. I think it is. But the Snowball. Do you know what? Didn't you see the movie Clerks? Hampton? This is about Christmas. Yes, you I did. You know Snowball and Snowball <laughs> like this. This is very specific. <laughs> 
Eric, yes. You know what yeah. falling is? Okay. Eric? Eric, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Okay. Just for people to well, who wants to be the person to explain what snowballing is? I'm gonna let you do it because you brought it up. All right. All right. So I'm just saying I'm not condoning this. No, you've only heard of this somewhere. Go ahead. Continue. Yes, but <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> I want to Google this just to make sure I'm getting it right. <laughs> Pull up that Urban Dictionary. Well, it's a uh, little can, complicated. I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take a shot. I, wait, no, that's not right. I was gonna say that's not right. Wait, hold on. Here we go. He's Urban Holding. Dictionary. Okay, I got it. I'll insert the Jeopardy music right here. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it? You're sharing your love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's into, why I thought. I, I, I thought Eskimo I, Brothers. Yeah, I just want. Okay, it's actually okay. Okay, it's, it's sharing it, your love. It, it, it is a sexual game. When uh, you're, let's just say, a man uh, releases, you know, he, it, he he injects the venom. Let's just say, yeah, that. yeah, injecting the venom after he gets it up into the mouth of his partner, and then instead of swallowing, uh, she either, depending on how kinky you are, she either just spits it back onto you. Sometimes in that region, hence why it's called snowballing. Oh, but sometimes there's a variation where you're kissing, you kind of swap it. Um, oh. But, yeah, but I don't think ACDC is doing that, even though they're in France when they recorded this. I don't think they're doing that variation. I think they're sticking with the old-fashioned, uh, she takes <laughs> it and spits it on the balls. Yeah, I don't see that here. Could be, though. You yeah. know, my interpretations are different than this, yours. I like, it, it is appropriate that the ACDC one would be the dirtiest episode we've ever done. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> for real. Yeah, so, so what happened? So this is what I'm guessing this song's about, because it's ACDC. Now, obviously, the term snowball, just, just it's a general term that means to screw someone over, like a hustle, or, you know, you, 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 you kind of, you pulled some game on someone, you hustled some mark, you, uh, you know, you're like a con artist, you know, and you got one over someone. I think it works on uh, two levels, like you know, which they learned obviously from Bon Scott. That's the double entendre. So it could work on that level. That, but the fact is, he's being snowballed, and this is where there's the back and forth. Like he injected the venom, but now this evil <laughs> green-eyed witch woman, she's throwing it back. You'll like this, Hampton. She's throwing it back. Oh, I like, love that. Literally <laughs> spitting it back oh, on the God. Brian Johnson's mammoth. Oh. Say it, again, Edwin. Say it again. Slower. slower. <laughs> oh, shit. That's the song. That's what she's thinking about. What she just did to him. So, and it's amazing. It's, one of the, it's an upbeat track. It's rocking. It's, uh, I would say, just probably the fastest song on the album. It's, you know, it kind of cooks. And yeah. I, it's not one of my favorites, but, you know, every song's one of my favorites. So, in that sense, it is. <laughs> but I love it. It's a great way to end side one. And the fact that it's about this evil woman snowballing Brian after he injected his venom into her just makes it kind of ingenious when you think about it. Wow, that it really is. Play, you know, it's kind of the, like I was beating around the bush on the highway to hell. And let me put my love on you back and back. You notice how the dirtiest songs on all three of these Mutt Lang produced albums is always the last song on side one? Something yep. to think about. Something to think about. Uh, all right. <laughs> so what do you think of Snowballed? <laughs> Oh me! Oh, we know uh, how he feels. Oh, dude, I, I, I love. You're it. all for it. 
You're all I'm, I'm all for the snowballs. Uh, you know, bigger the better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I truly truly love this song. I think I think going along the whole lines of how this is kind of a dark concept album you know, really works with a snowball. Um, this is just to me this song is just like life is life is fucking you over or you're meaning like you're going too fast and you just see it coming and you're you don't even know what to do about it and you're just you're just getting buried you're getting buried by life and you got you're getting taken away with uh all the happy things in life it's just kind of blinding you and like life's life's coming at you and that's what this <laughs> song that's that's what this song to me is about you're just getting buried by the bullshit and uh all the wolves and and women and drink and all that, you're uh, you're doomed. You're doomed. I, I agree. I think it's about that on one level, but then on another level, it's about, it's about this about just woman spitting come back on the Brian's boss. Brian is pretty <laughs> obvious. I don't know if you got the if you got the original lyrics. Those were the original lyrics. I, I, I googled that. They did, they yeah, couldn't pro- think of rhyming words though with Palacio, so they they scrapped it. Yeah. <laughs> Hank is like, mate, you can't just say it like that. You gotta be classy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's make it about something dark. Yeah. So, what do you think of uh, both the act of snowballing and then the song snowballed? What do you think, Eric? Way in. Well, uh, that, that sounds pretty hot. I definitely. Uh, that's something I can try. Uh, oh, that's not not like spitting. Like not the French wife where she does it. You know. Yeah, yeah. American way, not the French way. I got you. Yeah, yeah, not the French way. Ian Wadley will like that. Uh, but Snowball, man, fucking cool song. And it's funny, before we did this episode this morning, I was breaking my balls. There we go. ACDC, I got to say balls a lot. Um, I, I was breaking my balls, shoveling snow, and I knew we had to do this review, and I, I had found, I forgot about it, too. So I had to, like, listen to this album. I was listening to this album and like Streets Rock Opera Sabotage on loop on my iPod while I was shoveling snow. It helped me get through the snow shoveling, but every time this song came on, I got a little bit triggered because I was like, that's what these, you know, <laughs> millennials say is triggered. Uh, I got a little triggered because I'm like, oh, this fucking snow, man, this is bullshit, but <laughs> kind of hot now that I know what the real meaning behind the song is, but it's a great song, great way to end uh, side one, which is really like freaking side one man it's just like loaded man it's like a loaded baked potato that you throw all the bacon and sour cream <laughs> it's delicious yeah. yeah and even a little bit of cheese will put the finger on you it's a little bit of cheese right? yeah, yeah you take the finger and you, you put the <laughs> finger on you you know on the potato <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty yeah. much when you look at this from track two to track five it's just filthy <laughs> it is filthy. it is yeah <laughs> Oh my god! I like Jesus. snow. I think Snowball could have been a single. Honestly, I listened to it and like this. This this could have played on yeah. some radio. You know, it's got yeah. some some to it. I don't know about that. I think it's a little too <laughs> heavy and fast. But it's a great song. I do love what? it. I, I think it's something they could have should have played live. I think it would have been a good live track to play. Um, I don't know. If it, I think actually we're going to do a couple songs. I think of singles. I might be the odd man out here. As much as I love the first side. Uh, especially over the years. I'm more of a side two for this About the Rock guy, as you're going to be finding out. In fact, three of my top three favorite songs are on side two. Yeah, and, I know which one of, those, what one of those is, too. Yeah, well, and we're getting to one of them right now. Evil Walks! Ooh, yep. yeah. My second favorite song on the album. A very strong second. 
Although, like I said, Injective Venom still gives her a run for the money, and that's only my fourth favorite. Oh my god, we didn't even get to the third favorite yet. That's really gonna give it a run for its money. But my second favorite song on the album, Evil Walk, fucking awesome. This is a song I noticed people do like a lot, especially fans these days, because it was included in the Iron Man 2 soundtrack. But you still don't hear it on the fucking radio, although you should. I mean, you love fucking Hell's Bells. Well, this is just Hell's Bells Part 2. Freddy's Brian's Revenge. Brian's Revenge. Yeah. And this is it's about that evil woman. Very explicitly. She's back. She's back. She's got the green eyes, Black Widow, you know. And it's I it's almost like he's singing about like Stevie Nicks. Makes it sexier, you know? If she was like Dark Stevie Nicks. You know how there was like Stark Superman? Like S- Superman goes bad? <laughs> yeah. Stevie Nicks. Spider-Man, yeah, like, evil Spider-Man. Like, it, like if Stevie Nicks like, suddenly got evil and was not a white witch, but a black witch. Black know? witch. Yeah, but she became the black witch, not doves, but bats. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and then she fucks Brian Johnson and it's come on his balls. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what this song makes me think about. And how can that not be one of the greatest rock and roll songs ever that makes you think of things like that? <laughs> it has that atmosphere. I love how it just comes on. Bam, 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 bam. You know, that guitar, the production. The, it's amazing. And like, yeah, it's obvious that they're kind of doing Hell's Bells Part 2, but I like this even better in Hell's Bells. To me, it's like they improved on it. Like, they made it just... It, and I love Hell's Bells, but to me, this is stronger, heavier, darker. I love that breakdown in the middle. Uh, I love you know, it's, it's a great Halloween song. You know, this is one of those songs that I always put on a Halloween playlist, and it's just got that vibe. And that chorus is so catchy. And that's one thing. One thing I talked about how I, I loved about uh, the new album, the latest album, Power Up, is like they brought back kind of evil ACDC, which we hadn't heard. Really, since this album, actually. No, this I, I felt this album was very similar to uh, Power Up. Listen yeah. to this again. Yeah, because yeah, you had like you know Witch's spell and uh, Witch's spell reminded me kind of this song. I mean, it was cool, and I remember just looking. I remember as a kid when I first got this album. This was an album I got as part of a clump, the Columbia one of my Columbia House stamps. Sure, and, sure. And, <laughs> and I remember just seeing. The, looking at the album tracks and even as a, a kid getting into heavy metal like you know a junior high kid I remember thinking even before hearing the songs that these song titles sound more satanic than their, their other albums like even yeah. more than Highway to Hell Highway to Hell like yeah, yep. you get the title track but the rest of the album didn't sound satanic the lyrics like this sounded like ooh Satan and it, of course, you know, there's something cool and fun about that and kind of titillating. And so, Evil Walks, and it's got that sound. It's just something dark. This is like the closest they ever got to being like kind of like Black Sabbath. There's just something kind of dark and menacing about this album. And again, so catchy. You you hear the the choruses, uh, the way they're layered. You, again, you can hear this is kind of again the blueprint kind of for Def Leppard how Mutt Lang would produce Def Leppard and layer their vocals and their choruses and, and just, I love like uh, towards the end when they just scream evil <laughs> you know? it's fucking great you know and ACDC is like oh no we're just rock and roll come on what's more yeah. heavy metal than fucking guys Game screaming vocals. E- yeah. vocals screaming evil they're screaming evil <laughs> it's fucking awesome I love it what do you think of 
Evil Walk Santa. I fucking love this song as well. This is the song I remember when I first heard this album when I was listening through it. Like, this is... I didn't know if I was a true ACDC fan yet until until this song. You know, I'd heard a couple hits, and then I realized, oh, they can write some dark, evil, deep cuts. Like, I love this. I, I immediately fell in love with this song. This is uh, very close to my favorite, but I can't give it over. Can't give it over for those about to rock. Um, yeah, dude, and the tone on this song. This song is recorded. The production of this album fits the energy of this song perfectly. Like, just the darkness of holding on to those chords, the bass, and the tone of the guitar just, uh, it, This really gets me going every time. I, I, I freaking love this song. It's never gotten old. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever get old. It's, it's sexy. It's got the swagger. And it's just about this <laughs> dark woman. And, man, it's, it's, it's killer. It's a killer song. Oh, All so you, re- you totally redeemed yourself, Hampton. Okay. <laughs> Wait, it took me this. It took me five songs. I was yeah. down. Yeah, what yeah, so it, yeah. It took. It, it, you were down. It took a lot. Sweet <laughs> Jesus, sweet. But you Jesus. got there. Hey, you finally got there. Yeah, good. <laughs> Pop a cork. Celebrating. Hey. Yeah, Eric, man, this song's awesome. Yeah. Eric, what do you think of Evil Walks? Oh man, fucking! This is my tied for my favorite song off the album with another one. This song fucking rules, and it's just this pure fucking metal, man. Evil walks behind you, and it's a it's an evil woman with a load in her mouth, ready to spit at you the moment you turn around, so you can't like look back or you're in some serious shit. Man, this song fucking rules. It's just so heavy, so badass. I remember back when I was, like, bodybuilding, this is, like, a song that just always got me amped up. This is a song I always played, man. And it was relatable, too, man, because anytime, like, I had a breakup or some chick screwed me over or something, this song, man, was something I played that helped me through it, man. It's all about just fucking evil-ass women, man, that fuck you over, you know? Just, what a badass tune, and... Man, it's like you thought Side 1 was good. Here comes Side 2 with Evil Walks, one of the best songs in the album. It's like, Jesus, this album just does not let up. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal song. And uh, Edwin, why don't you take uh, C.O.D. Got it. Now, this is my favorite section of the album. It's like a, a one-two punch. I love C.O.D. C.O.D. is my third favorite song on the album very mm-hmm. strong very strong third yeah we didn't get to my favorite <laughs> uh but this is a very strong third this is so catchy i think this totally should have been a single i think it's crazy that it wasn't a single i think it's crazy that this isn't still played on classic rock radio of course it never was <laughs> not even back in 1981 never. so uh it's, an, it's such a catchy fucking song and I love that riff. Malcolm's riff is amazing. It's got they got that feel. This is the thing. Most you know they have rock and roll roots. That's the difference, you know. And that's why, like, and again, you know, I love early '80s metal. It's my favorite period for metal. But a lot of those players, they can't play with this feeling like that. That you could hear like they're playing with the feeling of the Stones, but with the sonic power of like Black Sabbath, you know. And that's what COD has. And talk about lyrics. I think these are the, the best, some of the best lyrics that 
possibly Brian Johnson wrote. I don't know. There's always some controversy with Brian Johnson and whether or not how much he was writing. You know, I, I don't know if the Young Brothers were doing a lot of it or Brian. I mean, I can't say. I know technically, officially, he's the writer of the lyrics. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. I don't care. He sings the songs awesome. That's all I care about. I don't really, uh, you know, if it's really the Young Brothers behind the scenes, whatever. More power. Who cares? Yeah. I don't care. It's fucking rock and roll. All I know, whoever is writing these lyrics, uh, doing a great job, even without Bon Scott's notes, because by this time, his, uh, his notebook, would they probably would have ran out of stuff. So, <laughs> this is amazing stuff. Listen, I'm, I want to recite some of these lyrics. The, the whole song is playing on COD, you know, the acronym COD, and it's got call of a dog, cry of a bitch, cream of a dream is the cause of the itch. See Ooh. how... You see what that goes back to, the snowballing? Call of the doctor, cash on demand, if you got enough rope, might even hang. Hang? C-O-D, care of the devil. C-O-D, the devil and me. C-O-D, care of the devil. Care of the devil and me. And it goes on. There's so many interesting little lines here and there. And I love, um, yeah, it's a call of the dove. Cry of a bitch. (laughs) The doves cry? Yeah. The dove, really? Yeah, the sign of the sinner, the size of his itch. And then, uh, I'm paying, I'm paying, I'm paying COD, care of the devil, care of the devil in me. It's the curse of love, which is, I always thought it was an odd way to, to lyrically end the song. Yeah, but, just screaming curse of love. <laughs> yeah, you know, because uh, that, like, in itself sounds like, that sounds like a, a song title, curse of love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and that it, sounds like White Snake right there. And yeah. it's not, love is not D, so it doesn't fit in with the COD acronym, so it's a little odd. But I think when you think about it, lyrically, this might be a concept album, because it sounds like he's singing about the same evil woman again. But this song is talking about how she's inspiring the evilness in him like she brings out that devil in me like like i'm complaining about it on evil walks but you know what i like it laddie i like it you know that's what <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> and it's yet it's so catchy and fun and kind of funky and rocking all at the same time and again you know mutt lang you what he's doing with the choruses and the gang vocals and the cod i can't listen to a song about just Punching my fist into the air. C-O-D. It's so fucking catchy. Yeah. I love this song. One of my favorite ACDC songs of all time. It's, it's fucking awesome. Wow. So, Hampton, are you going to lose points? Or are you going to... No, I'm going to drop down a couple notches here. Uh, here, here we go. Oh, oh, oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, no, this song, no, just kidding. Uh, no, this, no, this song's fucking awesome. Um, what I like about most about this song is that I think th- this is the first song in the album that sounds like earlier ACDC to me. This sounds like it could have been on one of the earlier Bond albums in, in a good way. I think it just kind of chugs along. Uh, it's got that gang chorus, which I freaking love. And, um, yeah, it, ju- it just sounds like an earlier tune um, but it, so, yeah, it has a, I think it has a highway to hell kind of vibe and sound sure it sure sure a- it's the first one that sticks out to me as like oh a, a call to the past but not in a bad way and I love all the lyrics that you that you're throwing out there I I, I don't know who wrote those lyrics they don't sound they don't seem like Bon or, or Brian to me I, I really don't know but they're they're catchy and the song is badass um, you, I mean it, there's a whole bunch of songs on here that are kind of like all tied for 
like my third and fourth favorite. And this, and this and this is right there in the mix. I mean, you can't take this song out, and it, uh, yeah, it rocks. I, single, I, I don't know. I think it was a little bit too behind of where they were right now to, to be a single, but it's not a slide on the song at all. Well, I, I, think, I think those gang vocals of the COD, though, feel very early 80s. Like, this yeah. is like Twisted Sister, uh, Twisted Sister and like Lick It Up, Air Kiss. I don't know. I just feel like COD kind of fits that, you know? Yeah. COD. Yeah. Uh, to yeah, me, I mean, the devil! No, it's yeah. badass. It's badass, <laughs> dude. I mean, they're just having a good time and the song is just about like, look, the devil's in me and I like to bang I got nothing to do. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. Sorry. And that's it's what the, the song curse is. of love. Yeah, yeah. Curse of love. Uh, sharing love, like we mentioned earlier. Sharing love with a fellow lady. All right. Eric yeah. Jordan, RMCV. What do you think of COD? <laughs> this, when I said, um, when I said uh, I had two favorite songs on the album, this is the other one. C-O-Fucking-D. Nice. This song fucking rules. It's a fucking anthem. The song kicks ass. I can see why Edwin likes it. I was shocked. I thought this was going to be your favorite song on the album, but I guess I was wrong. But man, I wish it was. Believe me, sometimes that's oh. a big deal. All my my second, third, and fourth favorite songs, which we've already gotten to. Yeah, all of them. I kind of wish were my favorite song because they're awesome. Right. Whenever, yeah. But there's just awesome. one song that I just have a really deep connection with, which I'll get to when we talk about it. But that gives it a slight, a very slight edge. But these three songs are like that, you know, Inject the Venom, Evil Walks, and COD. They're like, they're probably like my second, third, and fourth favorite Brian Johnson sang ACDC song. Like, well, almost, it's kind of like Powerage with me with Bon Scott. Almost all of my favorite Bon Scott ACDC songs are on Powerage. Almost all my favorite Brian Johnson favorite era songs are on this album. That's why it's my second favorite ACDC album after Power. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, I just, it's just loaded with songs that I love and it's one of them. But you got some more in uh, COD. Oh, <laughs> COD, man, just fucking rules. I love the fucking gang vocals. Uh, the, the gang vocals, man, are just so much fun. It, it really makes the song a fun song. This is one like, uh, you know, man, if, if I go see ACDC and if they busted this song out, man, you know, me and everyone in my, like, area, like, we're putting our arms around each other, we're throwing fists in the air, the devil horns, and we're singing this shit all throughout the night. I fucking love COD. I mean, there's really yeah. not much else I can say about it. Go fucking listen to it right now. Pause this fucking episode <laughs> and go listen to it and then come back. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Awesome. That's you're awesome, both, man. You're both all right in my book. You gotta yeah! Like <laughs> how can you not like Care of the COD? I mean, how, what, what do you like about ACDC if you don't like that song? I don't know. But one of the lines was... Care of the COD. <laughs> Care of the COD. Again, they were going to rhyme that with uh, Curse of Love, but it didn't work out. So uh, COD sounds like something like you catch from a girl that snowballs you too much, and she's kind of dirty. Yeah, it makes me. It makes me think of Chud. It's the real oh, Curse yeah. of Love. Yeah, Bud the yeah. Chud. Yeah, There's something very '80s about acronyms, you know. Yeah, <laughs> boss. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, let's go now. I used to agree with a lot of people and I know Ralph Vieira says this there's a lot of people that feel like after COD this album drops off like there's a big drop off in quality and it never picks up I, I, I don't want to get into the last song but I know that some people feel differently about that last song um, but tracks 8 and 9 
I have heard a lot of people say aren't that hot, you know? And I was one of them when I was younger. I used to think, uh, especially Breaking the Rules, the one we're getting into, I used to think was the weakest song on the album. And I thought it was kind of mid-tempo and a little boring. That's what I used to think, and a little mm-hmm. uninspired. Mm-hmm. Well, then I grew up, and I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think that anymore. Now I think it's a fucking great song. It's not one of the best, but it's one of their fucking best albums. So it's, so it's you know, is one of the best in a way. <laughs> but there's a feeling to the song that it's weird because it is kind of a youthful song lyrically and about breaking the rules. But there's something about it because of the, the creepy, again, finger tapping, a lot of cool modern finger tapping from uh, the Young Brothers here. There's something about the vibe of the song. It's very dark and older sounding. Again, like the blues a bit. Like the blues yeah, old, it's like old middle-aged guys. Like a lot of those guys, John Lee Hooker and Muddy Waters, Hound Wolf, when they did some of their biggest records in the 50s, they were like already middle-aged guys, you know? And this has that vibe to it. It just has this kind of vibe of been around the block and they live life. Now, this is one of the few songs that I don't think is about sex. Um, this is just about... Uh, you know, just living a life where you're not gonna, you're just playing by your own rules, you know? So, and I love it. I love that kind of message. Kind of like a lyrics from an 80s era Gene Simmons song, which I love. I love those kind of lyrics. <laughs> and, and it's just the fog and the production. And especially after Evil Walks in COD, you know, which are a little more upbeat and punchy. It's kind of like, I'm ready for a kind of more meditative kind of song. This is kind of like a thoughtful kind of song. And not exactly what you would think a song called Breaking the Rules by ACDC would sound like. And that's what's interesting about it. But I love the guitar, the guitar line. I love the feeling of the song. It has an atmosphere to it, which I think kind of creates the mood of this, the last uh, three tracks, you know, where it kind of moves into an even more subtly darker area. But I really love this song. It's a grower. It's a song that grew on me over the years, and now I think it's great. So I'm very curious what you guys think about it. What do you think of it, Hampton? Uh, Breaking the Rules. Absolutely love this song. Um, I, I've loved this since the first time I heard it. And, and like you said, it's got the groove to it. It's got the, uh, the, the plucking and then the open chords. And for me, it's, it's like a celebratory song. I mean, it's a celebratory song in a sense that the rules are all set up for you, but you're just going to be yourself and you don't have to go for the rules and it's not a rebellious song. You know, it's not like, come on, join me, raise the flag. You know, it's not, it's not Les Miserables here. It's just, you know, we know our lives. Our lives are, are this. There's rules and, you know, fuck it. Yeah, come party with me. And it's just got in a, in a blues way, not in a over the top kind of way. And I, I've, I, I disagree with the, well, it's their opinion, but that the album drops off. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a yeah. perfectly placed song here. I don't know where else you'd place it. I mean, it's this is kind of right where it should be, I think. I think the sequence and, is perfect on this Yeah, album. yeah, and, and a lot of folks may think that, you know, it's not a hit song, and, you know, it isn't, but I look at albums as albums, and the flow of this is just perfect all the way to the end of the album. Spoiler, all the way to the end, but, you know, it's this is a great song. It's a great song. It, it Yeah. I don't know what else to say. I'm going to go break some rules. <laughs> you don't need to watch me do it. I'm going to break the rules because I'm a rule breaker. So let's do it. What do you think, Eric Jordan, of breaking the rules? Oh, man. So this 
This is definitely like my my least favorite song on the album, but it's still a pretty decent song. I'm not gonna play it by itself, but if I'm listening to the album, there's no way I'm skipping this. You know, it's not like Back in Black where you know uh, you shook me all night long. Like I hate that fucking song. Like I'm skipping that. Even if I'm listening to Back in Black from Starfish, I have to skip that song. I can't stand it. This song, it, it's just it doesn't grab me like it does like you know like you and uh, Michael. Um, it, it, it's not bad, it's just, uh, it, it doesn't grab me, and it doesn't help, too, that this song is following up, like, seven fucking monster, just kick-ass, like, anthems, you know? Sick. So, uh, it, it's a decent song, it's a filler song, it, it does what it's supposed to do, it's just kinda, it's not meant to be, like, you know, this standout track, it's just meant to be a, a solid, a solid tune that just kinda fills out the album, you know? So I got nothing against it, but it's definitely my least favorite. Uh, just it, it, it's not as memorable as some of the other ones. Uh, it, it doesn't, and it's too like mellow. Like, like Michael said, it's more laid back. Where it's like, man, when I hear a song with a title called "Breaking the Rules," I want it to be kind of fast, you know, like kind of like "Breaking the Law" by Judas Priest. Whereas this one's too mellow. It doesn't really make me want to go out and break the rules. It makes me just want to kind of obey the rules. See, I'm, I'm really attra- I'm really attracted to songs that have kind of a difference in music and then the lyrics. Like the lyrics are really aggressive, maybe, and then the song is just real chill. And like yeah. that to that to me is uh, attractive. This is like guys at the end of the night, or you know, guys and gals, a group of people at the end of the night, smoking and drinking in a in a dingy bar, and they're just like, you know, we're kind of we don't have a lot of power, but we sure can just. Enjoy ourselves and do what we're doing. Bring yeah, them rules. A hundred percent. That's the vibe I get from this. So I like you, it. You nailed, right. you nailed it. That's totally vibe I get too. And that's what I feel like when we move to this phase of the album, it's it's like we're moving to that phase, the nighttime phase. I mean, this whole album is kind of a nighttime album, um, but it's like even later. It's like the wee hours, like the bar's closing up, and this is kind of like the last round. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then some troubles happening with the next two songs. Oh shit! Yeah, uh, but that's the feeling. Uh, but I, I really like I really like that Hampton. You really uh, earn in your uh, you keep this episode. Oh, am I? Am I back? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're you're totally back. I'll tell oh, you. we we yeah, will. Yeah, just for that, Michael, we're gonna we're gonna get a girl for you to to give you to snowball you. Yeah, send a fresh <laughs> snowball over for me. Which oh. <laughs> I'll never be able to eat fucking Hostess snowballs anymore now after this fucking episode. <laughs> uh, you're doing yourself a disservice, my friend. Yeah. The, here, there's good news and bad news, Hampton. Good news is the girl's going to snowball you. The bad news is she's evil. Oh, no! Oh. I'll watch out for a green-eyed Postmate drop-off. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right, now let's go into another song, which I don't know why. I didn't think it was great when I was younger. I don't know. I was dumb. Because this song's fucking awesome. Night of the Long Knives. Uh, this is a song that's really grown on me over the years. Um, I'm looking at this track listing. Uh, it's like mid-tier. It's like a mid-level song for me on this album. But it's still like, you know, this is one of my favorite albums of all time. So that still puts it ahead of a lot of songs. This is a catchy song. I think this even could have been a single. That chorus is very, I think the most Def Leppardy thing on this album <laughs> is the chorus for A Night of the Long Nights. That is very high and dry pyromania. Uh, I could actually hear ACDC kind of cringing over it a little bit because it is so, that chorus is so melodic and kind of bubblegummy. But yet, 
dark. It's a dark. It's a weird song. I think this is kind of the weirdest song on the album because it, the riff, the verses, the riff. It sounds kind of like Aerosmith. It's kind of bluesy, but then it goes into this nocturnal power metal kind of chorus. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's it's a weird song, but and then it's evoking, uh, you know. Uh, this. Isn't it a bunch of Nazis killing a bunch of people in World War II? Wasn't that the Night of the Long Night? Some brutal... Dude, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was about Caesar getting killed. Caesar? I wasn't me, sure. Okay, and we're showing our... We, we know our heavy we're metal nerds. history. We're, we're nerds. <laughs> we're not nerds enough, apparently. We, now, I'm going to read this up real fast while you talk about this song. But this is a song that I've really grown to love over the years. And it's all not really like you'd ever hear ACDC really do again. Maybe Fly on the Wall would have kind of a song like this, maybe. But, you know, it's it's very metal. It's another song. Like, maybe the verses are kind of bluesy, but that chorus is very early 80s anthemic metal, in my opinion. What do you think, Hampton? Uh, you know, this song is it's a strutting song. Like, I love, I love the vibe of it. That's one I want to go strutting out at night. Listen, pumping the song, and I think that's what I got when I was first listening to this way back in the day. It made me kind of swagger, shake my hips as a, you know, a young man in the streets of Italy. Like, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> I, under- I understand all this screaming about knives. Sure, little little weird, but yeah, this song is it, it's got a unique unique structure. Um, it's but you, you can't help but want to scream Night of the Long Knives," no matter what you think that actually means. I don't know. Sexual I can tell innuendo. you. No. Well, it could. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, I was right. It's a it's a night where Nazi Germany uh, purged. It's where Hitler had a lot of his political adversaries killed yeah. to solidify his power. Happened in 1934. So it's kind of like uh, Revenge of the Sith. You know, when Palpatine and Anakin like kill like uh, Order 60. What was that called? Order 66. Sure, it? sure. Come sure. on. Is it someone I don't remember the Star Wars. Okay, song, it's yeah. something like I, I remember. It's not six six six. I knew who you were talking about exactly. Though. But it's like that. It was like Hitler's uh, Order sixty six or whatever, where he killed off everyone in Germany that uh, you know was an obstacle politically, and. ACDC writes a fucking song about that, but yeah. it's, it's, it's really a history a- song. It's a history it's, song. Yeah, but you know, this is the difference between ACDC and Iron Maiden. If Iron Maiden wrote it... Oh, it, this is the difference? Let's hear yeah, it. <laughs> there's a few. There's a few. <laughs> but yeah, especially Bruce Dickinson era, Iron Maiden. If they had a song called Night Long Nights, A, it'd be like 10, 12 minutes long. Second, oh, God, yeah. It would actually be about that historical event, and it'd be like a Wikipedia article, and Bruce would be telling you everything that happened. <laughs> There'd be yeah. narration in it, play a bunch play. of boring yeah. shit. ACDC, it's just a metaphor. It's a metaphor for something else. You know that. They're not really yeah. singing about this night. So no, this song, this song is about straight up just betrayal and who can you trust. That's yeah. what it's. That's what it's about. I think it's the night again. He's out in the streets and there's bad things going on. Yeah, yeah, bad evil yeah. woman. And it maybe it's phallic, maybe it's like she's out there fucking a lot of dudes, and all the knives yeah. are like dicks. Maybe <laughs> yeah, it sets just... up the next last song we're gonna get to. But yeah. what I'm getting at is, it's like he's had enough night along nice. He's sick of this woman, this evil woman of his, fucking around, and he's going out to do some damage. Some bad stuff might be happening. That's what I think this is. It's like a dark blues. It's like, hey, Joe, you know, or, you know, you're, you're the guy's going out to maybe get back at that 
evil green-eyed woman. Yeah, I think he's about to snap. He's about to snap. That and it's like that that beefed-up moment where you're really pumping pumping yourself up with that with those bad thoughts. That's the vibe I get from it. That's why I feel like this song is, and it's kind of perfectly placed as the second to last track. What do you think, Eric Jordan? Weigh in on Night of the Long Knives. Night of the Long Knives. Holy shit, this one fucking <laughs> rules, man. Yeah. I, I don't get why people say this album tapers off at the end, because, no, this, this, well, I may agree with Breaking the Rules being, like, you know, not one of the greatest tracks. This one fucking kicks ass. And Michael, I'm, I'm glad you said it. It, it, the song has like a strut to it because that was the word I was trying to think of. I'm like, what? What am I trying to think of with the song? It has, and that's what it is. It has like a strut to it. It's like a strutting song, you know. And it it reminds me of, uh, for me, it reminds me of, like the Warriors. Man, you're out in the streets. You're trying to get home. It's night. You got all these other people after you, and you're just trying to get home. It's nighttime, and you don't know what's gonna happen. You're gonna have to defend yourself. There's some scary shit going on. That's what I always think about the Warriors when I hear this fucking song, you know. And this this sounds like a song that could have been in the Warriors when they're walking around and yeah. and then you see the montages of all the other gangs like getting ready to go fuck them up, you know. It's I love this fucking tune, man. And, and you're right, yeah. Fucking Fire Man wrote this fucking song. It'd be like a you know, this song's three minutes, 25 seconds. Well, Iron Man's song, it would have three minutes, 25 second acoustic intro, and then like 10 fucking minutes of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so thank God ACDC wrote thank- this song, because it's actually good. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, yeah. okay. It, what like you guys I like that sexy strut of the night kind of vibe. Like, that, that that's what this song's all about. Like, just watching your back, but you're going to go fuck some shit up at the same time, and like, let's do it. Yeah. We're going, it's yeah. going down. Like that's what we used to do with our fucking friends back when we were young, you know? Just go Step shanking up. people on the streets? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watching out for those girls with the snowballs in their mouth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. thing I love, uh, I love music that has a feeling of strutting at night. And yeah. some shit might go down. Maybe it's good shit. Maybe it's bad shit. But it's going to be some shit. So it's, it's alive. Gonna, it's alive. It's alive. Yeah, 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 and it has that vibe, you know. And yeah. that, it's kind of like uh, it also this album has a vibe that's very similar to uh, another awesome '81 album and my favorite Van Halen album, Fair Warning. Oh yeah, yeah. It, that, Fair Warning has that same kind of you know, there's even the song, you know, Mean Street, but it has that whole album has that vibe, that dark at night vibe, you know. And yeah. I love that. I just I love the atmosphere. It's like why I even like love John Carpenter films, like because they they look that way. They look like yeah. that after hours. That the the way the cinematography hits, like the lights, like those lights in Christine, you know, when the lights turn on, and you just have that dark vibe to it. And yeah. this album, it's just in the production. It's yeah, in the that's song. What, yeah, yeah, that's why this is such a brilliant album to me because they captured the vibe. It's all here, you know. It's yeah. all here. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's amazing, and now we're gonna get into the big finale. This is the thing too. I just before we get into this, I want to talk about the bookends because it's like this really shows a level of sophistication, a level of sophistication with the band by this point. Because it's like, how do you end an album that begins with for those about to rock me salute you? Because you know when I was introduced to the song, I heard the first one, "Who Made Who," so I heard it as a ending track. It sounds like an ending track. It's what they end it, you know, and still end all their concerts with, you know? Big finale, cannons. But this fucking band, they open the album with it. 
Now, I agree, it works. It works in Kadoo. For those about to rock, could only be a first song or last song. It's the only way it works, you know? Couldn't be anywhere else. But, so we got it kind of both ways, depending on whether you're listening to this or who made who or like a live album. But, so essentially what I'm getting at is they open up with like kind of the ultimate finality and then continue. And it's still awesome. But how do you, you can't end with another big kind of finale song because your first song was like that, you know? So you can't do it. So what do you do? You go into, you lean more into the darkness, get darker, and yeah. you get a little more mature and a little more subtle, and kind of go back like the evil futuristic blues thing that I think you hear a lot throughout this album, and you kind of, it's like a subtle way to end the album. Maybe too subtle for some people. I think it's ingenious, and in fact, if you haven't figured it out yet, Spellbound is my favorite song on the album. Hell yeah. Always been my favorite song. It's my favorite Brian Johnson sung ACDC song. It's my third favorite ACDC song, period. The only two songs I put put ahead of it are Sin City and Down Payment Blues. Those are the only two songs I would put ahead of this. It's one of my all-time favorite songs. It's always been, even as a teenager, uh... I always, I, there's something about this song, that feeling, that again, that nighttime feeling that I would get from this song. There's just, and that riff, I think it's such an underrated riff. riff. I love that Kurt Loder brought up this riff. It is, it's like up there, it's like a classic kind of darker version of a Stones riff, kind of, but Dark Stones, like Heartbreaker, Do 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 kind of vibe to it. Give me shelter, you know? And it, it's just got this group. I could also hear like even later groups like the African Wigs and stuff like liking a song like this. Like there's just this dark, almost kind of grungy, you know, a little Sabbathy too. A little the most Sabbathy I think uh, ACDC ever sounded like, or like early Kiss, Black Diamond, stuff like that. It just has that vibe. It has a dark vibe. I love the riff. I love when it starts off kind of soft, but then the riff kicks in harder. The way the guitars, Malcolm and Angus is playing, it's just so fluid and perfect. Brian's vocals are amazing. It's the even the bass, it's a very simple bass, but it's got heart to it. And I love that breakdown, you know, when he's like, yeah, Brian's singing, you got my hands in the fire. Again, this, this all connects to this larger theme. Again, this is like, this is the ultimate... This is the last time. This is like the last time he's kind of going out. Like, he ain't coming back from this night, you know. He even says, you know, he says, I can't do nothing right. I can't even start a fight, you know. Uh, Really interesting lyrics. And he's singing about, you know, windscreens and whiplash and a victim after a bad crash. It's all these dark, cryptic images. It's almost like a a David Lynch fever dream, you know. Listen to these. I think these are some of the the most interesting lyrics ever in an ACD. Yeah, I love it. Blinded by a bright beam, shattered by the windscreen, stunned by the whiplash. I'm a victim of a bad crash. I can't do nothing right. I never sleep at night. Can't even start a fight. Oh, my feet have left the ground. Oh, and I love, I love the way he says like, you know, after he says came and start fighting, he says, oh, like the way he says yeah. it. Oh, my God. There's such yeah. feeling. Oh. And then, of course, Spellbound, my world keeps tumbling down, you know, and then he goes, come on, slide, I'm slipping down, you know, and I got my hands in the fire. It's all like, this is like where he's going down. It's like, okay, it's me and you, the evil uh, witch woman. We're going down one last time. 
and, he's and like, uh, one of us is gonna die. <laughs> he's like fucking Billy in uh, in the movie Predator, man. Like, he knows he's gonna die, and it's like, well, I'm just gonna go out fighting. He, you know, drops the gun, takes the vest off, he cuts himself, draws for his blood, and he's just like, yeah, I'm probably gonna die, but fuck it, we're going down, I'm going down swinging, bitch. It's, yeah, it's, it's obviously, it's like, and this is something that you really never have again on an ACDC album. Never really you had. The only other time you had a song kind of like this was, which is another one of my favorite ACDC songs, is Night Prowler. This is essentially Brian Johnson's Night Prowler. You know, and yeah. and the same thing, uh, Highway to Hell opens up with this anthemic song that could kind of be a first song or a last song, Highway to Hell. And then they were in the same situation. Well, how do we end Highway to Hell? And like, they could end it, maybe beat around the bush. That kind of could have worked as an ending. But they decide to go for the subtle, dark, bluesy, violent, serial killing, you know, nocturnal heart of man song and spellbound and they kind of did the same they made the same choice on this album and it's amazing and uh it's hard i can't really say which one i think is the better finale because i really love night prowler but i feel like spellbound i i do hear i think night prowler gets more respect than this one and i think this is of an equal quality there's i might give it a yeah i give it a slight edge personally i personally prefer spellbound to night prowler but I think it's even darker in a way, even though lyrically Night Prowler is a little more overtly sinister because he's singing through the point of view of, and that's bullshit when they said, oh, it's just like a peeping Tom. It's not. He's got, you know, it's, it listens to the lyrics. Yeah. It's, he's fucking sneak. He's There's a, no peeping. Yeah. 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 No, he's got like a, you know, night, you know, to your throat and stuff like that. It's a real serial killer shit, you know, but. Uh, but the, a lot of those old blues lyrics are like that, and that's what inspired Bon Scott. And that's what this song's like, too. It's not as explicitly sinister, but I feel like the subtext is even more sinister because it's all connected to this whole dark vibe of this album, especially the second side, where it's all about this like evil woman. And I feel like there is something that connects all, connects all these songs, and especially coming off the night of the long nights, that this is like kind of, this is like a death song. This is like, yeah, we're going out. This is kind of like, kind of how like Jim Morrison like to end Doors albums, you know, with kind of the death song, and it's amazing. Everyone should fucking love this song. If you don't love this song, it just means you don't have a black heart and a dark soul, and yeah, you're not a fun person to hang out with <laughs> if you don't have one of those. So what do you think, Hampton? What do you think of Spellbound? Yeah, there's no mystery to you if you don't absolutely love this song. Like this song is fucking. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what to say about it. For going, I mean. I'll just say putting this up against Night Prowler, you said I, I would give this a nod um, specifically because I like I like the music better in this song. I, I prefer how the song sounds to me, uh, but this song is it, it's it's a it's entrancing. Like I can listen to this song over and over and over. If I want to go to a dark place, I could. But I mean, it's a it's the perfect ending of this album. It, it kind of staples why I think this album is is so dang good. Um, but this song by itself is, I you know, it's just like the last song, but it's completely different. Just a, it's a mood. I mean, uh, break. It. I'm kind of bad right now. This song, yeah, yeah. This song is this song is gorgeous, and it's a song that is surprisingly dark. In there is no there is no coming back from this song. Like the whole song is, I'm barely alive, and it's getting shittier and shittier, and here I am. And that's how the album ends. Like, there's no, 
I'll let you know. Let's pick ourselves up and rock again. That's not here in the song. Yes, it's, it's, it's the, end. the album. It starts off very. I mean, even though there's a moodiness to the music in "For Those About to Rock" the title track, but uh, which kind of foreshadows the ending. But overall, the first half is definitely more of an upbeat rock album. Where yeah, yeah, it turns. It turns but a little turns, bit at the end. But yeah. it turns at the end, which I love. I love that it gets dark at the end. Yeah, and, I can't think of a lot of songs like this, honestly. I mean, I haven't deep dive into every ACDC song, yeah. but this song is just <laughs> so, so sad. And he's like, it's it's over for me. I got yeah. nothing. Yeah, I think, I, I think it is the their dark darkest song. I don't think they have a song darker, and you can't. Ha- it has to be the last song because you can't yeah. follow up. There's no party after this song. No, there's no redemption anywhere in this song. Yeah. It's just like, oh God, here's the lights. I'm everyone's beating me down. My world keeps going. Oops. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for thanks for listening. Yeah, and the music just fits it oh, really it's well. Hot. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I can't argue with you saying this is one of your favorite songs. I mean, this, this is, again, one of the songs that turned me on to a huge ACDC fan's album because I'd never heard this. This wasn't, you know, Shook Me All Night Long. and You know, it wasn't even the anthemic styles of, of Hell's Bells or the anthemic styles of Highway to Hell. I'm sure those are dark songs, but this, there's no party in this one, you know, and it's really uniquely done. I, I dig it a lot. Awesome. Well, yeah. what do you think, Eric Jordan, about Spellbound? Oh, I fucking love it, man. It's just, you know, there's nothing else I can really add to it that you guys oh. haven't added to it, man. It's just, it's dark. I think it's a great way to end the album, because the album's had, this album has a lot of darkness to it, and just, well, a perfect way to end it. It's like, you know, it's like the, the end of the party and shit goes really fucking wrong. It's almost like fucking, uh... You know, Kiss Destroyer, where it ends with, like, you know, the sounds of, like, fucking hell, you know? And it's like, whoa, like, there ain't no coming back after this, you know? You know, it's like the end of a fucking John Carpenter movie, almost. It fucking rules. Um, and it, it almost kind of reminds me, like, lyrically of, like, Hell's Bells. You know, Hell's Bells, when you talking about getting dragged down to hell and, like, the, you know, the devil's, you know, tearing you apart and whatnot. You know, it's... The lyrically, it's very similar to that to Hell's Bells, but I fucking love it and just what what a great way to end a, a damn near almost perfect fucking album. I mean, it's just start to finish, man. Even the one week song on there that I'm not crazy about is still great in the context of the album. It's so fucking good, man. Just fucking ACDC, man. It, all you people out there, you know, if you're, you're like one of these people that's like, oh, all ACDC songs sound the same, listen to this fucking album start to finish and then get back to me on it. Cause yeah, they, no kidding. They're, no kidding. They fucking rule, man. Awesome. Yeah. But we, we did it! We did for those about to run! Oh! Shoot some fucking cannons! Yeah! Gotta insert some cannons in here. You got to. You got to. Man, that that was awesome. That that was awesome. Now I really want to play that last song again. Now that we're singing, yeah. I, like I want to crank Spellbound. That's yeah. how fucking good that song is. Anyway, should, Eric, yeah. at the very end of the episode, you should just play Spellbound again. Let that be the lead off track. For real, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so people get the sense of the darkness at the end. Yeah, um, but you got to oh, yeah. you got to take the ride though. You got to take the ride, or it just sounds like a dude complaining. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you got to take the ride. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta live with them. You gotta go yeah. through all that shit. You gotta go through all that fucking shit with that green-eyed, snowballing, evil woman. 
you know. Right, and the stanky <laughs> finger. You, you throw out your stanky finger. What? That was oh, just, yeah. what? That was the foreplay. That was just the beginning. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. after the rock show. And then you're well, like, all right, yeah. here comes stanky well, finger. Well, look at this. For those about the rock, that's beginning it. This is what I'm saying. This is a concept album. Follow it me. is. I, I this totally goes track by track. For those about the rock, we're going to begin. Yeah, we're awesome. We're going to rock. I'm going to rock this shit. Yeah. Oh, hey, little foreplay. I'm going to put the finger on her. Yeah, you see what I'm doing? <laughs> little foreplay. It's fun. Hey, I'm getting it up. Let's get up. Look what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Oh, now I'm going <laughs> to inject the venom. Yeah, I'm injecting the venom. This bad woman doesn't know who she's dealing with. Uh-oh. She snowballed it. Okay. That's kind of fun. That's kind of kinky. But yeah. then... Oh, but should I be here? Yeah. But she's strapping me down to her bed now with these green eyes. Oh, no, she's a black widow, black widow evil woman. Oh, no. But you know what? I kind of like it. Kirk. I can't control it. The devil on me, she's bringing it out. I like it. You know, I like breaking the rules. Whoa. But wait Whoa. a minute. She's out there fucking all these dudes and breaking in my heart. All right, I'm going out and I'm going to kill this woman. I'm going to get her. Knives spellbound we're going down we're fighting in a car we're crashing at night it's over everything's <laughs> maybe i blew it yeah. <laughs> he destroyed me Too much you party. know what yeah. all these there, there's so many bands nowadays i know juice priest did dio did it uh, they're releasing like graphic novels that are based on like album art and they write a story like a comic book or whatnot uh, they, ACDC, you, ACDC needs to fucking do a graphic novel for this album with Edwin's explanation of like every fucking song. <laughs> there that you needs go. to happen. And, yeah. and just to link it all together, what's spot? Why is Spellbound called Spellbound? Think about that. It's well, just a witch. Because yes, you got the whole witchy witch. woman thing. Yes, the witchy yeah. woman. This is the curse. It's yeah. the curse of love. It's, it's the after party. Or the yeah. poor guy at the start of the album, he was at an ACDC show, like, for those about to rock the finale, he sees this hot chick, and he's like, all right, after the ACDC show, I'm going to get laid, and then shit just goes from good to sh- to bad. It goes to shit yeah. until you're all done at the end. Yeah. yeah. It's a like that movie After Hours, which is a great movie. But that's the thing. <laughs> he goes, like Griffith, yeah, Griffith Dunn wants to get laid, he thinks he's going to get laid, and then he has this horrible, dark... You know, journey of a night that leaves him as a crushed shell of a man at the end, and that's kind of what this is, you know. Yeah, and that's yeah. why this is my number one favorite ACDC. Album. <laughs> no kidding. There you go. For people who think ACDC don't have substance, they just wrote the greatest song about a woman, a sexy evil woman destro- destroying a man after just- the rock party. Yeah, <laughs> ever. No one. Careful of those cannons. Careful of those cannons. Yeah, it's a facade. It just it tricks you. The, the devil, yeah. evil, voodoo, witch woman. She will bring you down. <laughs> Love it. Love All right. it. All right. So anyway, so that's enough. Enough of my ramblings. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you will never listen to For Those About to Rock. We salute you ever the same ever again, as you shouldn't. You should listen to it this way, the way that we listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Hampton, it was so much fun having you on the show. We'll have to Dude, have this you. this was badass. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, before we go, I'd like to throw out one fact uh, that worked out perfectly in our timing. Today, November 20th, is the... 41st anniversary of the release date of this album. So today is a perfect day to talk about this one. There you go. We conjured the spirit, the evil dark spirit of For Those About to Rock, We yeah. Salute You. Yeah. The day and, and, it came out. And let's give it up for uh, Malcolm Young, five five years gone, just a couple days ago. Ray, raise your glass for Malcolm Young, everybody. Yeah, yeah, I'll take a drink to that. Cheers. Yeah. 
Awesome. The greatest, greatest rhythm guitarist ever in the history yeah, of rock. You are damn right. Faux show. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hampton. Uh, and uh, do you have anything uh, before you leave? Do you have anything cool that you, uh, an album or a movie, anything you'd like to recommend to people out there listening? Oh shoot! Um, oh, God, what's cool? You know what? I'll I'll take this full uh full circle and I'll go back to the Christmas metal real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, just because we're there, I I discovered these guys like two years ago, and uh, um. I really think you want to check this out, Eric. Maybe, maybe not so much you, Edwin, but it's a band <laughs> called called uh, Majestica. I don't know if you've ever okay. heard of them. So Never I know heard of them. I don't know how big into power metal you are. They're more like power metal, but not bad. And they do Christmas themed music. Like I'm not really into all the cheese, but uh, of of a lot of power metal. I mean, I dig some of the, the music, but I Majestica they do Christmas stories and they do their videos are like. Bob Marley coming to talk to Scrooge. I mean, it sounds absolutely stupid and ridiculous. Oh, fuck. But if you're into it, it's worth checking out. And hey, I, I, w- I, I wouldn't sell it to you if I didn't like it. And it's called Majestica with a M-A-J-E-S-T-I-C-A. Maybe you'll hate it. it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since we were on that, that Trans-Siberian role, I think you might like that. I think it's really cool. It's unique. Anyway. Majestica. That's what I got to plug. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And I'm going to plug to something. Uh, I was watching a couple nights ago. Raphael was on... Wait, wait hold on. Uh, Red Review? The BS Sessions, that's it. Oh. I, M- Mark Allen Taylor has a lot of content. I don't always remember what's <laughs> what. But it's that show. Mark Jerry BS. Yeah, Mark, Jerry, and Chuck, you know, a.k.a. Charles. Uh, he They were on it, and Ralph came on, and... And they uh, they were viewing the uh, Def Leppard and like making that thing that you know Mark does where he says ah oh, make a make your favorite album of all their stuff you know and obviously uh, Ralph you know didn't have anything post uh, Pyromania <laughs> and uh, I would be totally with him on that same here but anyway mm-hmm. that being said it got me thinking of something I think one of the greatest box sets of all time and I think essential. Especially if you love early '80s rock and um, you know, what we'd say American, I do. British heavy metal in this case. I do. If you love that, then you should get this box set that came out a couple years ago. I think it's the greatest Def Leppard release ever. The early years, '79 to '81 box set. Okay. It's remastered editions of On Through the Night and High and Dry. Plus a shit ton of awesome extras. There's all these great live concerts, which sound great. There's B-sides, different mixes. Their very first EP, the raw EP, that had different versions of On Through the Night songs and some other tracks. And, and you know, of course, you got like Me and My Wine and a lot of extras. And it's, it's just a great collection. It's the best Def Leppard release ever. The songs are really well remastered. There's liner notes and... This is a band, like, people just forget, you know, especially, like, post-hysteria, Def Leppard became, like, every drunk white girl's, like, favorite band, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and, Diet Bon Jovi. Yeah, and, you know, there was a time where they would really, these guys, and they were so young, too, kind of like Metallica. They were just so talented at such a young age. And you, in Joe Elliott's voice, and, you know, I, I love this era of the band. 
And especially if you know for those about to rock, obviously if you love for those about to rock recently, you, you gotta love high and dry too. You know, high and dry and even though this collection stops there, it doesn't go into Pyromania, but it's still amazing. And I also got the vinyls that you know, there was remastered vinyls for those two albums too that sound great and I got those too. So I highly recommend Def Leppard's box set, the early years, seventy nine to eighty one. Do you have that, Eric? I, I do not have I have it like digitally, but I do not actually own the physical one. It came out at a time when I was kind of hurting for money, but uh, I, I will I'll definitely have to buy it. Yeah, and what about you, uh, Hampton? Have you ever heard it? Uh, no, I've heard of it though. I've definitely not heard it though. Yeah, I think you dig it. Knowing your taste, I think you dig it. I have, I have no doubt. I love that early stuff. I mean, I even I even like a lot of hysteria, you know, shooting. But uh, yeah, I will definitely love the early stuff. For yeah. sure. I don't even know. You guys ever seen the biopic? There's a, there's a Def Leppard biopic. Yeah, yeah, the one that Anthony Michael Hall played Mutt Lang. Oh, my I God. fucking love that movie, and Have everyone shits that? on it. That was a movie that got me to check out Def Leppard. Oh, I really? I, I, I saw it way in retrospect. Like, uh, oh, I didn't I, know this existed. <laughs> I never watched it all the way through. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, well, you know what happens, so it's all good. Ends in a, ends in a car crash, I guess. I don't know. But no, no, it didn't end there. That's, that's <laughs> that was the like kind of the clock, almost no. like the, that yeah. was like the, you don't what end the fuck they call that in a movie? <laughs> Not the climax, <laughs> but the, the... No, that was the end of the first act, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, they, they triumph. It's a story of how they triumphantly rise after he loses yeah. his arm, of course. To be fair, I haven't finished it, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was that gripping. Yeah. That was that Pierre Ramsey Michael Hall was doing a lot. Like he played Bill Gates in. Uh, he's trying to be serious. Right? Serious, yeah, Michael J. He's, he's a really good actor. I like Anthony Michael Hall a lot. Actually, uh, and Halloween Kills. I was. I wish that he was like more of it. Like he was leading that movie more. I thought he was a cool character. I liked him. Um, uh, and I think he's a good actor. I've seen him a lot of things. He really, like a Six Degrees Separation. He's great in that. He's a underused act actor. And I like Anthony Michael Hall. So I also recommend Anthony Michael Hall. You know, <laughs> His entire movie collection. Go check him out. Every movie. I love Farmer Ted. Farmer Ted. Farmer, Farmer Ted. Farmer Ted. Farmer hey, Ted. he's the coolest geek ever. That's the thing. He's like a cool geek. He has confidence, God damn it, And that's why Look. he fucking succeeded at the end of that night. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it was consensual, people. They were yeah. both... He was drunk too. That makes They're it all both right. drunk. <laughs> both drunk. Yeah, just They're in love. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they were in love. I mean, you know, maybe they, maybe this is the beginning for him. He's yeah, gonna, they, he's gonna be spellbound. Yeah, he might be spellbound by the end of that evening. Yeah. After <laughs> the party, watch him. out. Here comes the snowball. Yeah. He was the villain lady. She's the sexy blonde villain lady. So you know, in that yeah. movie, that's what could happen. Those are always my favorite kind of women. I always. Was attracted to the, you know, the villain women. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, then for those lots of rock, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah, you know, but yeah, maybe this is why I love but, this album. Like, yeah, Officer and a gentleman. Yeah. Officer and a gentleman. I, I gotta say, Lisa Blount. She's like the like you know. There's Deborah Winger, Lisa Blount. Lisa Blount definitely a lot sex, a little bit sexier than Deborah Deborah Winger. Man, I, I get the edge of her. You know, like she was horrible. <laughs> you know, Deborah Winger's like actually like really sweet person inside. Uh, you know, Lisa Blot was definitely like appearance wise like a little bit sexier. Yeah, Just I can see bit. that. I do love Deborah Winger too, though. Especially oh, when she's, she's gorgeous, but right. I get the slight edge Lisa Blount. And so that one, the blondes, man. 
Yeah, but you know, they're both very attractive. But I mean, Deborah Winger, come on, sassy, sissy, sissy on that fucking, uh, you know, riding that bull, riding that bull, you got oh, all that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it up for that shit. Yeah, let's get it up. Okay, so we're going full circle. Now it's fun. Fun. Sex. <laughs> yeah, rock and roll. good fun. Yeah, yeah, we're not. I simply not. am going to recommend, because uh, it's, it's past my bedtime. I'm yeah, going to recommend yeah. TSO, Transiberian Orchestra. Go fucking see them in concert, goddammit. If they come beautiful. to you, go fucking see them. I'm talking to you, fucking Bushy. You better. I'm. I'm seriously going to buy Bushy a fucking ticket to one of these shows if, if he doesn't. And Mike Lampton, you need to check him out, man. I, yeah, I, I do. I gotta get on the schedule. I gotta get on the schedule. I, I played with one of the guitarists about a month ago at one of these jams. Angus Clark. No, I can't do honestly. Chris Caffrey, Albertrelli. Don't they have like thirty? So Joel <laughs> I, I really don't. I really don't remember. But he was there. He was there. Um, right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's my only connection. Right. All right, let's Fred- wrap this up, maniacs. Yeah, We're dude. Past hey. three hours. It's an epic episode. All right, fellas, I just want to say I really appreciate you guys. And, uh, Edwin, you know we're, we're buddies, and it's, I'm so happy to talk to you guys again. And, uh, it's very nice to meet you, Eric. And have some nice to meet you, brother. Sure, sure. Guys, hey, everybody, check me out at Hamptainment on all the socials. Woo! Woo! There you go. Okay, cue Spellbound. <laughs> Peace out, brothers. Cue <Queuing> up. <laughs> Later, guys. Later. <laughs>